the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> The Agostino Zinger Show episode number 666. That is 666. God's number, not the devil's number. God is always in control, never the devil. Hopefully you guys are well wherever this podcast is finding you. Hopefully you guys are bloody well wherever this podcast may be finding you. For those of you tuning in live today, for those of you tuning in live I do greatly, 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 greatly apologize. But the reason why I was late, this is the reason why I was late. This is the reason. I broke my back. (laughs) I'm not lying. I need to get it up on the screen so you can see what I'm talking about. But I'm sure some of you are aware of this legendary clip. I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You my broke back, back is broken. What a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. So yeah, um, I thought I was a flipping G when I went to the gym earlier today. I think I've had a couple of flipping days off and whatnot, and I went in there and decided to flipping pull really heavy. Um, I decided to go up to flipping two sixty-five pounds in the deadlift for reps. And yeah, man, without a belt, usually I do a beltless anyway to kind of improve my form. And so I'm not flipping, always relying on the belt to improve my form so I can actually have good form in general and end up paying the ultimate price. So yeah, I'm a little bit broken right now. I'm full up of flipping um, paracetamols and stuff. I've been rolling on my little foam roller, which I have up there. I've got a little orange foam roller thing that I've been rubbing my back on. But yeah, I'm in legitimately excruciating pain right now. I'm not gonna lie. If I had a little Zanny or something, I'd be so, so, so happy. If I had a Zanny right now, I'd be over the moon if I had a flipping Zanny. But you know what? We keep soldiering on. The only Zannies I need are the stream chat, uh, the podcast chat, sorry. And of course, my flipping, um, dark, dark, dark nectar, which is not flipping tiger whiskey or tiger cum. It's actually flipping a, um, cold brew. That's the only flipping thing I need at the moment. But yeah. God almighty, mate, my lower back is absolutely screwed. I'm really annoyed because I was looking forward to going for a run tomorrow. So hopefully it recovers by then. Hopefully it does recovers. But, um, I don't know, man. It's looking, it's looking kind of, it's looking kind of shaky. I was on my chair today thinking, you know what? I'm going to have to just cancel the stream because I'm legitimately feeling awful. But you know what? Um, I shouldered through anyway. So I want you guys to give me a pat on the back. I want flipping a comment. I want, I want some sort of a accommodation right i want some sort of award i want some sort of badge i want some sort of stripes for basically turning on my stream and sitting down in a chair even though i should be lying down somewhere i want some rewards and i want to be hailed and i want to be loved for doing what i'm doing right now but yeah big up everybody in the stream chat hanging in i appreciate all of you guys in general it is the action of single show as per usual the number one 
number one cultural commentary podcast in the world and i'm so glad to have you here with me today i am so glad to have you here with me today so first things first to kick off the show i want to talk about is a recommendation for you guys out there again i'm going to keep doing this because i feel like it's a nice way to sort of share some music that i absolutely love listening to and you know it feels like the last few weeks have been pretty decent for album drops and this past week was really really good with the release of Avelino Avelino right Avelino who I've been a real big fan of ever since I kind of discovered him from Ransom Bance's um live stream Ransom Bance is this Man United supporter who has a pretty good um channel I think he has a channel on Twitch he also has a channel where he uploads clips on YouTube and he's a United kind of fan and basically does you know basically match reviews and whatnot and there was a time around I think around the pandemic where basically Avelino popped up and started to appear on that live stream a lot and I kind of became a fan of his personality and then I found out later that he does music so there's a kind of weird way to find an artist usually you find an artist through recommendations from a friend but I found this guy directly directly because of um what you call it um because of a football live stream but he's really good so one of my favorites now coming up um for me he kind of is like a if this makes any more sense he's sort of like an upbeat version of, of rich 32 as much as i love rich he could sometimes send me to sleep and it could sometimes be a little bit too um a little bit too um a little bit too highbrow for me, especially with the lyricism and that he's way, way, way above my flipping um, intellect level. So if I need something that kind of matches my level and also a little bit upbeat, I think Avelino is a really good um, option for it. He's got an album that just released now called God Save the Streets. I'm surprised this is actually the first debut album he's put out because I have a few of his other tapes here on my phone that I've been banging out for time that I thought were actually albums, but they're actually mixtapes. He's got one that came out in 2021 called Ego Kills and another one that's called No bullshit check those two out but definitely ego kills is definitely a banger I, I, I was playing that so often when that initially first dropped um, 100k on that is absolutely amazing right to left is probably one of my favorite tracks off of ego kills but this new one called god save the streets by avelino is absolutely amazing one of my favorite tracks on this album is track free and i really recommend you check it out because legitimately this is this 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 track was one of the tracks that if I were to listen to this for the first time at a concert somewhere, tears may be streaming down my cheeks if I listen to this because this kind of describe my upbringing in a real kind of coherent and really amazing way. Um, growing up in a sort of you know rough part of town where I did essentially because it's basically the um, the verse starts off like this it says everybody starts off innocent including me so I relate to this brother like his really family tree he never really knew what love was so he had to hit the streets because every time he was at home his mum and dad used to beef and it was uh, and it was just getting to him plus there was no food to eat his sis was going so hungry she found it hard to sleep like, have you legitimately ever been in these situations? I have, right? Spoiler alert. Like, legitimately growing up in the squalors of poverty and you legitimately find it hard to sleep. Like, you know, the the flipping delights of having a couple of pieces of bread with some butter in between and a piece of ham was a real, real, real treat. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you go without because you're in between months and stuff. The parents haven't got paid. You obviously don't have a job because you have zero experience, so you can't help out. It's a little bit of a sticky one. So when he basically put this in the bar, I was like, oh, my God, he's speaking to me. This was definitely my upbringing. And it continues. He said he had dreams for his, he had dreams that his mother told him that he can't achieve. He cracked under all the pressure, started licking crack fiends. Should have been at school, but he had hard work on him instead. And this religiously, this lyric here, this line, he cracked under all the pressure, started linking crack fiends, right? Double entendre. 
the funny thing about this is that you can take this two ways. You can take this as in the character, because again, the album essentially is Avelino basically, you know, it's, it's kind of like a rousing declaration of coming up from the struggle, but it also doesn't kind of romanticize it. It kind of tells it in the whole, in the stark reality that what it is. And I kind of get the feeling like I did when I grew up and I kind of avoided all the pitfalls of growing up in a really rough area of town of, you know, of London, wherever it may be. I didn't really take it. I didn't really take any credit for it. Really. I was just lucky. And I think back at it now, like, you know, I have a lot of friends or people that I know who, you know, ended up in prison or ended up dead or ended up doing some crazy stuff and got away with it or got deported, whatever it may be. And sometimes when people say that sort of stuff, it can kind of sound like a brag, like a weird, humble brag. Oh, I know some really dangerous people, but it's not really like that. It's just sometimes you grow up in an area and you have no real influence on who people, who lives around you and everyone that lives around you because you're a kid and you want people to play, play with. It just happens to be your friends. You don't really look too deep into it because, you know, just these kids are living in your area. They're around. They don't might play football. They like playing video games. They like listen to music. They like going to flipping house parties or, you know, trying to link girls or whatnot. And that's it. You just kind of, you know, just hang out with the people that are around you because they're around you. But then later on in life, you start to realize that they're going down this mad path. And by just pure luck, you just don't follow them. Even though you are with them from the ages of like, I don't know, 10 to 15 every single day, some, somehow you avoid going down the, the path that would lead you to some level of destruction or incarceration. And again, I don't take any personal credit for it. Um, you can't really kind of put credit on the parents because the parents don't really see anything that kind of goes outside. They can only control what happens inside the house. It's just pure luck, really. I think so. It's just pure luck. It just is what it is. But there are occasions where you see people around you. Like I remember there was this one kid that we lived in this block of flats with who kind of lived opposite us, who was a really happy-go-lucky, bubbly kid. And essentially we saw his life crumble in front of us, like in real time. Um, you know, his dad got addicted to drugs. Then he ended up kind of leaving and divorcing his mom. Um, his mom ended up kind of being essentially heartbroken and distraught about it. Then she turned to drugs. And then eventually that kid ended up being a latchkey kid by default because his parents just got, you know, dragged into the depths of drugs. And then, you know, you turn around like two years later and that kid ends up being a really, really bad kid on the streets and stuff. And he wasn't ever like that when he was growing up up and it all it took was just his parents breaking up at a really pivotal time in his life maybe around 13 or 14 and then having the wrong influences around them and having too much time and not having parental guidance and then boom he goes crazy um and a lot of that was crack unfortunately especially in my area a lot of it was crack a lot of it was heroin that kind of group people it wasn't not really a meth really um and yeah it just went down a crazy street anyway it continues here just to finish his first verse it said should have been at school but he had work on him instead post code wars he didn't pick up his address no pain no game he was hurt blood it was stress just trying to get himself out of the ends had to make ends meet first because mummy's got an empty purse he knew his dad will leave but never knew he will leave in a hearse like god damn it bars no generational wealth just generational curse and this is something that you feel a lot growing up in those rough places of town like even to this day sometimes you think to yourself like what is it about growing up in these places that just makes it it feels like you're always kind of stuck in quicksand that's what i remember thinking being from ends like whenever you make a little bit of headway something always comes along to kind of pull you back down again and i feel like those instances are usually forks in the road that make you decide what which way do you want to go and a lot of people end up you know resorting to a life of crime not because they want to be flipping you know pablo escobar just because they want to make ends meet 
like when flipping you know when when swiping i'm sure a lot of you guys from where you were at, i'm sure you had an era in your life growing up where you know there was a period in time where people were swiping cards i think in america you might call it cracking when that stuff was banging in the uk people were swiping cards and going to selfridges and trying to you know get gucci jackets and all that sort of stuff there were some people that were doing it just to have Garms to flipping drip on where they can go house parties but most people were doing that swiping thing just so they can sell stuff on they'd go to north face shops and all this malarkey buy coats and then just try and sell them on to get money that was it just usually to you know literally for to keep the lights on to put food on the table that's why they were doing it and some people would get caught go to prison some people would get fined some people would get banned from stores it'd be crazy kind of circumstances but that is essentially why they were doing it or even if they did a thing where they were doing like um a lot of people in the ends were doing you know outside of drugs a lot of people were doing stuff like um what's that thing called when you do bank drops i forgot what the technique is but essentially you give the person a card um your bank account and then they basically transfer a certain amount of money to you usually they'll lie they'll say oh it's a they'll say maybe it's 50 it's 10 grand but actually it's 50 but then they'll tell you oh um they'll they'll keep like 70 percent of it or something crazy right it's really really weird how much they'll flipping keep and as, as a split it doesn't make any sense but then what happens is that your account usually gets burned, but then you have the ability to take the cash out straight away. And usually they come with you to collect the cash. It's a weird, strange way. But anyway, that's what people did. And mostly, most of the time people did it was legitimately, legitimately just to put food on the table. Like people were doing it to buy computers and laptops and shit because they wanted to get started on making music so that they can kind of get themselves out of their ends. Some people were doing it to buy boots and to buy train tickets and bus fare to go to football trials. It was nothing lavish. It wasn't like people were buying Lamborghinis with it like they do with flipping pandemic aid money. People are legitimately doing it just to pay the bills or pay debts off and stuff. And, you know, sometimes, you know, once you get a, a kind of a taste for that quick money, it's very difficult then to turn around and work at flipping you know jd sports and stuff it's not really it's not really the right yeah exactly um charles lucas knows exactly your account gets blacklisted for years yeah i know loads of people that did it loads of people that did it um and some people unfortunately did it and it didn't work and their account still got blacklisted and sometimes if you don't have good credit and your account gets blacklisted no it's if you don't have good credit sometimes you don't either you don't get offered good accounts you sometimes just get offered an account that has like a cash card so imagine you get blacklisted now you don't have an account and you don't, you know, you couldn't get an account anyway, normal one. So you have to get like a cash card one that doesn't have any benefits. Now you don't even have that. So now you're a person from London, right? This multicultural place, right? One, you know, in one of the most prosperous countries in the world, but you have no bank account. So now if you'd want to get a job, where are your flipping wages going to be paid into? That's why I knew loads of people who had their monies from work going into their flipping mum's accounts because they legitimately burned theirs from doing flipping ACs and stuff and drops and swiping. Imagine how flipped up that that life is. So when Avilion flipping wrapped this, I was flipping right on board and it continues. Um, from mud, he really came from the dirt. He started cleaning up one foot on the other. Uh, one, what's that? one foot in front of the other, our car, he ain't seen enough. But that boy's loyal to the soil, so his team was up. So you should have seen the love he was getting once he was getting up. All the parties... Uh, all the parties they let his bread is bringing all the weapons in this is something as well you you heard of all the time happening i remember there was a place especially it's happened quite often this place in um where i, where I used to live in east london called beckton there was this there was this place called st mark's church 
where people used to have like parties and stuff it's weird to, it's called St Mark's Church basically it's like a community hall type place that also had a church on the Sundays but sometimes people will put on events in the main hall like parties and whatnot birthday parties um you know it, parties that you could buy tickets for and stuff and you just turn up sometimes to be able to slip in and whatnot especially if you're nice to the aunties and then sometimes if it was a proper rave people would pull up with you know people would pull up there because there'd be guys from different areas that would kind of go there also and they kind of want to go ride out on their ops and obviously some of them would bring weapons into the places and the security guards may know them from ends and whatnot and just let them through with weapons knowing fully well what may happen in there and sometimes innocent people would get flipping yanked up and then you're in this house party and the actual person who's the party ends up getting yanked up and you're thinking bloody hell and usually it happened quite early in the rave you'd get there and you only have like you know um you'd only get there flipping two two hours in and then straight the flipping thing got locked off and you'd be so pissed and usually it was always the one that you, that you loved i remember there'll be times i'll be there like you know because i used to get zero love at flipping house parties or these raves at all i used to get zero love it was hard out there for me so i'd be there battling these fucking you know green-eyed mixed race boys right with pink lips that all the girls loved and here's me trying to go in there and trying to make it work and it's a struggle then you finally get some action you're finally getting a bit of a winding and then all you hear is pa 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 or you hear people screaming, or some glass marriages are going to throw, or somebody shouting, and you know the rave's locked off, you're like, oh no, you know it's locked off, it's like in the middle of your wine, you're like, no man, give me five more minutes, five more minutes, but you know it's done, and it continues, it says, um, it was still grandma's prayers that kept it, that kept, that, so it was still grandma's prayers that were protecting him because he had a third of the ends in second guessing him and they reckon one of the days that was his day of reckoning got it from the kitchen so man was thinking of chefing him he was paranoid because in the cut they were stabbing his boy he felt like the game chose him and he never had a choice money or the violence his older said choose wisely couldn't trust a soul so he never could choose wifey too hard couldn't couldn't he met then he met his good girl with some good traits from a good home out of town with his good mates he took her home he said baby life's a bitch give a dog a bone she wasn't giving up on him and it gave him hope but he weren't trying to get too close because anything he ever loved just ended up in smoke but he was like this twin but he's like his twin flame but she was like his twin flame. He felt connected to her soul. It was like his trauma just disappeared whenever he would hold him up. So he held her down, showed her off and took her out. Saw a future with her because his presence made him smile. Plus you wouldn't judge even though they've been through trials. It's too good to be true. He's in denial. Honestly, brother, I swear this is really good. And the funny thing about it is because he's kind of talking about, you know, a girl that he met that kind of was able to show him a different side of life but i think the best thing about growing up in ends because it's such a flipping bubble and it's so harsh and it's so brutal when you do find people or you meet people at work or just people from interest like me you know my main thing of kind of escaping was usually like you know sneaker culture and whatnot and streetwear and going to stores that's where i kind of you know developed and found a found a group of friends that were kind of outside of my little ends bubble usually usually those were good occasions because it kind of opened you up to what life is like outside of your postcode and it kind of showed you that life isn't so crazy outside of where you're from um it actually gets better if you're able to kind of you know knuckle down and do the work and figure something out 
there is a pathway there is a pathway for you forward but it does take some time so really do recommend you check it out my favorite track track free twin flame on god save the streets by avelino honestly really one of the best albums i've heard this year so far definitely up there for album of the year for me especially when you consider it's like 11 tracks long it's got a feature here featuring my one of my favorite uk grime uk rap hybrid type of rappers from back in the day called ra from roadside g's if you know you know south london legend brixton legend obviously to be specific and a few other really good ones too and of course red fred 2 features on it there's some really good spoken words sort of um you know um uh, intros and outros and some of the songs as well the switch-ups are amazing i think this song here one of one a piece by ralphie by ralph raffi by raff raffi sorry is really good also definitely check this out but yeah the whole album 11 tracks long it's about 30 minutes 40 minutes in length really nice and tight listen i banged out in the gym today while so i was breaking my back doing deadlifts and it worked amazingly so definitely check it out avelino god save the streets out on all digital streaming platforms out on all digital streaming platforms oh my honestly my back is on a mad one let me take a sip of this coffee okay cool hopefully it works hopefully this works and the paracetamol works and starts hitting if it doesn't start hitting i might have to flip in dm flipping bgo and get some addies because <laughs> this is flipping mad anyway continuing on quickly this is information i just learned of today and i think the update is that he has actually gone but this is courtesy of instagram and it features yay formerly known as kanye west has posted a screenshot of his instagram account it looks like and it looks like he wants to disable it um temporarily deactivate his account now i'm not too sure what this is about I'm not sure. I'm not too sure if this means there's a new flipping album coming or something along the lines, or if this is just him doing what Kanye does, looking for attention. I'm not really too sure, but it is interesting because we haven't heard much from the guy um, in the last flipping few months or whatnot. He's gone kind of radio silent, so now he's posted a screenshot of his account on Instagram saying that um, he needs to deactivate his account. Does this mean it's album mode? Does this mean what I said previously, where it feels like? where it feels like he may be he may be prepping for a return back to fashion and street and like sneakers and stuff because it looks like adidas are doing whatever they can do to get him back on board to sell the shoes because for every reason i don't know why they're doing this also adidas are weird um it looks like they were playing a big game they were all stunting and acting like you know they got the ip of yeezy and they can pull out the shoes when they want to put them out but now they're basically making it seem like they can only do it with yay they don't want to put the shoes out without him because they, they think they're not going to make any money, which is weird because you think even if the Yeezys come out without the Yeezy branding, they're still going to sell because everyone knows what they are. They're just, they're just Yeezys without the Yeezy name, but we all know what they are. So the fact that they don't believe in their ability to sell these shoes is really weird. But then maybe because they've got the data behind the scenes, maybe they know something we don't. And they honestly think that if they put them out, they're going to end up losing loads and loads because you think or the money they're saving from paying him out in royalties and whatnot, they could easily make that back from the sales also, even if they did have to pay him. But um, they've, you've been hearing noises about that. I think a couple of, I think maybe the recent CEO or the, the, the sorry, the newly installed CEO said something about, oh, um, you know, Kanye's a legend and didn't say anything disparaging about him, even though the previous guy um, fired him, you know, on his watch. So that was really strange. And just in general, they haven't really been clearing up the idea that they did do a deal with him. So it feels like Adidas are kind of deciding that they may, they may be in the position where they're going to be like, you know what? You said what you said about flipping Hitler. We don't care. 
we need you to sell these shoes. Come back, baby. Come back to me. So maybe this is part of it and we're going to see something there going on. And maybe part of the flipping stipulation is that he's on Instagram and because this is where he does most of his damage. He didn't do as much damage on Twitter. He did most of his damage on Instagram. So maybe part of the stipulation for him coming back and selling the shoes for a brief period of time is, Hey, no more Instagram. Please shut the fuck up. Sell these shoes for six months or a year and then you can go out and do your own thing. Maybe I'm not too sure, but that's the current news we cut with yay and i think if i'm not mistaken actually let me get a screenshot of this quickly before it disappears i'll take it off my flipping on my screen now but i think if we now refresh it i think his page is gone if i'm not mistaken i think his page may have gone if we refresh it let's see because i saw recently that they said he's yeah see there we go yeah, his account's gone so let me just see if his account is still there let's put Kanye west on there but it looks like his account probably is deactivated for now so it looks like he's officially off the platform. Yeah, there you go. He's officially off the platform. So yeah, he's officially off Instagram. This may mean something is coming. It may mean nothing is coming. We have to wait and see. And hopefully, hopefully soon we'll get an update regarding this regardless. So fingers crossed in it. Because if he's back, I'm all for it. Because I need some new Yeezy flipping desert boots. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care about his political opinions. I think I stopped caring about his opinions about life and stuff. Um, as soon as I kind of heard rumblings about how he was treating Virgil behind the scenes, I think, you know what? This guy isn't the nicest dude anyway. So let me just put all that side to one, to one side, all that malarkey and just focus on the, what he actually does well, which is make great music, great cultural events, cultural moments, decent raps, um, amazing clothes and fashion and sneakers and shit and that's it everything else is just extra so I don't really care about what he said you know regarding you know his anti-semitic you know remarks because clearly I don't endorse that sort of stuff but if he's out here making good shoes again I'm all for it because I need some desert boots so I can wear those with my flipping amazing outfits that I've got here I just need a little special touch on top of them so if he does come back I'm all for it if he does come back I am all for it so moving on from that one quickly touch upon this this is some interesting news so over the last couple of days not over the last few weeks actually i've learned that this new thing that i legitimately never knew existed beforehand legitimately never knew this existed beforehand and maybe some of you guys listening have a better idea of this than i do so i found out there's this thing called tiktok techno um i kind of saw it in some regard there'll be this these DJs who post clips of themselves playing songs that they like um, under the premise of techno. And it's usually not Or you'll see those dudes and girls putting on certain outfits that they wear to a club. But now there's this whole entire scene and subculture of these TikTok, te TikTok techno influencers who I've now learned sometimes get hired by flipping nightclubs in Berlin to do door picking. Yes, you heard that right. So in Berlin, as most of you know, they take, you know, techno over there very, very seriously. And they have this thing that they do where essentially at all clubs, they have somebody in the door. Sometimes it's a bouncer. Sometimes it's an actual designated door picker who's basically in charge of cultivating or curating the vibe inside and making sure that they permit um, the right people in there who are going to get what's going on, not make it weird and just be a general good vibes in there. And they take it very, very seriously. And obviously the best example of that is Bergheim but every other club in Berlin does it. everyone that's that's halfway decent 
And basically what I've learned in the last few days is that these influencers, these TikTok techno influencers, some of them have like, you know, over a hundred thousand flipping um, followers and stuff. They're now being hired by some of these nightclubs over there in Berlin to do door picking under the guise of maybe they're well known and people will come down to see them. I'm not really too sure. I don't really get it because I don't think I've ever gone to a nightclub legitimately thinking, oh, this, this and that is going to be at the door. Sometimes with certain promotions, there'll be a certain person at the door that you see a lot. So a certain, you know, night would have, you know, maybe a, a guy or a girl that you kind of recognize all the time, but you never ever go there because of them. You go there because of the DJ, you go there because of the party, because of the club, but it's never because we someone at the door. So this is a whole new world we're in now at the moment. It's a different sort of world. And one of the people that everyone's kind of talking about is this young lady called Julia Wolf, who's been causing a little bit of controversy within my little scene. And people in Bergheim have been really, really hating her because recently she filmed a video of herself inside of Bergheim on the dance floor, a video showing, you know, a couple of arms, a couple of feet, nothing too crazy. But if you know anything about Bergheim and about burning clubs in general, once you go there and you put, they put the sticker on your phone, you're not meant to record anything on the inside. It's not permitted at all to record any videos or anything. In some cases, they don't like it if you flip and talk about it. Like I've had some people make comments on my Bergheim videos or clips and stuff that I put up on my channel when I spoke about it on the podcast. And some of them haven't really liked the fact that I've reviewed my own experience going in there with absolutely no images, no names, no deals or people whatsoever. So if people take that stuff really seriously. So you can imagine what these girls, what these people feel like when this influencer girl rocked up and decided to film um, herself in there um, with her friends. And then, of course, I think the backlash from this was quite, you know, fast and fierce. People were sending the clip all over the place. I think certain people send the clips to people in management over at Bergheim, which is super narc behavior. You know, I'm not for that in the slightest, but hey, you got to do what you got to do, protect your space. And then I think some people were leaving some comments on the Instagram and she's been going through them, deleting them and stuff and basically not taking accountability for it, not saying sorry and just living her influence her life. But the other part of it is that they do this thing that also is weird, right? This is a clip taken from a TikTok where they basically show you um, doing outfits that they would wear. So this is a thing as well now. Outfits you're going to wear when you go to flipping clubs and stuff. And let me click a random one. Let's click this one. It's got like 1.26 million. So this is essentially an outfit, right? To go to Bergheim. Let's see what they say here. Or there's two here. There's one and this one. Let's do, no, let's do this one. Let's do this. Let's do that one. Let's do the other one. And you'll see what I mean. But essentially, they stand in front of the camera, talk about what outfit they're going to wear. This is going to be all in German. So if you don't sign German, you're going to get it. If you don't, you don't. Let's hear what she says. Come on, Julia. Give us, give us, give us the lowdown, babes. Ich werde abends Bergheim und nehme dafür ein Outfit. Im Video hiervor habe ich schon den Rock fertig gemacht und jetzt versuche ich noch ein Oberteil zu machen. Ich wickle mich dafür in Frischhaltefolie ein, weil ich versuche auf der Frischhaltefolie ein Schmiedemuster zu malen, weil ich weiß sonst einfach nicht, wie ich das machen soll und das ist das Einzige, wie ich meine eigene Körperform auf Papier bekomme. So, also If you're not... ich habe mir überlegt, dass ich dann hier so... If you're not watching it, she's, I don't know, she's covering herself with, um, whatchamacallit, with cling film over her top. I'm not too sure what this is about, but let me just see as it goes on. And then she's marking it with a pen. Oh, she's, okay, she's going to create a top out of cling film. Interesting, to wear inside of a club, which is legitimately the worst material ever I can imagine to wear inside a sweaty club. But let's see how it goes. Dass es hier frei ist und ich mag das auch mit den Schnürungen. Vielleicht mache ich da auch so eine Bänder dran. Erstmal wieder rausschnippeln. Welch ein Abenteuer. Das ist meine Titte. Eine Titte in Klarsichtfolie und die übertrage ich jetzt auf ein Blatt Papier. Alter, ich mache das so smart, Junge. Okay, she's, got, she's got the pattern now in Klingfilm and she's gonna. Oh, okay, she's got the pattern now she's gonna cut it. Kann man jetzt durchgucken? Ja. 
Oh, ich kann transfer into paper. So okay. wäre jetzt ungefähr der Abdruck und den mache ich jetzt einfach zweimal auf den Stoff. Schneide ich jetzt einfach mal aus meine tolle Nähvorlage. Tata! Und dann lege ich hier den Stoff doppelt. Dann nice, got some material to cut it out of. Oh, okay, sorry. Hier drauf. Check dir, wenn ich... I got it completely wrong. She used the cling film as a, as a sort of... Um, I forgot that material, but there's a particular material people use when they're making... Um, when they're making first drafts of clothes, it's kind of like, I forgot what it's called. It's sort of like a creamy type of color material. It's like a cheap, basically. You use that to basically make the shapes and how you want it to kind of look. And then obviously use that to then cut onto the actual, you use that as a pattern to cut onto the actual material that you want to use. I forgot the name of it, but that's what she used the clean film for. But now she's cutting onto actual material. Wenn ich das dann aufklappe, dann sind es zwei Seiten und ich schneide es auf jeden Fall natürlich mit Nahtzugabe aus. So könnte man sich das jetzt schon so anhalten und schon mal so ein ganz bisschen vorstellen, wie es denn mal sein könnte irgendwann. Das mache ich jetzt noch mit so einem zweiten Stoff, der kommt dann nach innen, das ist dieser Lining-Stoff. Das haben wir innen und außen und den legen wir jetzt. Yeah, that's it. I think that's it, Muslin. Thank you, Fifth Keith. I think it's Muslin. I think you're right. I think it's Muslin. So basically, she used the cling film as Muslin. I thought she was used, she was gonna make the top out of cling film and take that to a club. That's insane. But Yeah, she used the cling film as a substitute for muslin and then used the pattern on the cling film to put onto paper, to then put onto fabric and now she's going to be putting it together, I'm assuming. Schön auf schön aufeinander. Oh, that moment, wenn das alles so schön passt. Oh, endlich mal. Und dann noch die Träger rein. Dafür habe ich jetzt hier vier Gummibänder, die ich jeweils verknotet habe, damit die nicht verrutschen. Einmal durch die Öffnung hier durchgefädelt und so gucken die jetzt raus. Ich bin Loki aufgeregt. So, it's a, it's a really, really small bra top made out of some material. Und unten natürlich offen lässt, dreht man das dann um. Und dann hat man nämlich schön von außen und innen und das sitzt dann hier so. Jetzt nehme ich mir hier die Maße von meinem Brustkorb und das sind 75 cm. Etwa 77 cm langes Stück Stoff, doppelt legen, schön auf schön. Let's continue again with it. Now let's see the next bit, I think there's a 2.0. I think it's this one, right? There we go, it's 2.0. I think this is the next bit. Let's see what this says. Was that the same one? That's another one. Ich verdammt, das ist Bergkanon, nehmen wir dafür ein Outfit. Im Video hier vor habe ich schon den Rockfeld. Ich mach das so smart, Junge. It's the same one. Whoops. Anyway, you get the gist, you get the gist, right? So she made a top and then she does other stuff like get going out stuff like this with makeup. <clears throat> get ready with me for Brutalismus 3000 in Bergart. Die, die alle immer so feini, feini fragen. Ja, ich gehe jedes Wochenende feiern und ich kriege mein Leben trotzdem wunderbar unter Kontrolle. Danke der Nachfrage. Ich muss sehr... As you can see, more things. She's putting her makeup on, looking the way that she looks, blah, 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 blah. Jetzt noch meine Signature Frisur. Right. And then the yeah, end result is what we see there. Cool, right? Everything's going great. Amazing. Everyone loves it. But I guess now we're in this kind of interesting place when it comes to techno, when it comes to club culture, because essentially it's now become hmm, somewhat mainstream. And obviously there's a whole new generation of kids coming up who are also becoming fans of it in their own way. These whole Gen, Gen Z kids are kind of, you know, maybe approaching it from a different way than maybe past generations have. Or maybe, sorry, just see it in a different light or maybe don't take it as seriously or maybe take it seriously in their own way. But essentially this girl and her, you know, and other people like her have a very um bad reputation out there in the scene so far there are reports of people basically seeing them out and about and you know they've acted a certain way they weren't very respectful there's reports of them doing the thing where you see a lot sometimes in places like Berghang where you'll see crews of really really cool kids and stuff who will basically go around just kind of you know existing in their own little bubble kind of pushing past people and just being very obstinate and just kind of you know being not the most um 
you know the, the most friendliest vibes um when they're in this sort of spaces and usually people don't necessarily respond the well to these sort of things at all when they're in there um and it definitely isn't bloody um one of those things that you'd like and i've got a report here someone posted on reddit I'm not too sure if this is true or not, so I'm not going to put up on the screen, but somebody posted this Reddit, um, allegedly kind of speaking about how this Julia girl and people like her are in the scene. So this is allegedly something will happen again. It's all alleged. This probably didn't happen. It maybe is a bit of an exaggerated story. And usually when people tell stories like this, they usually leave out the part. They usually leave out what they did, what wrong in this situation, I would assume, if you think about it. So let's just double check this and see what's the deal is um let me see if i can get this up on here yeah so th this is a story coach of somebody on reddit they said the following i'm not from berlin i'm from madrid spain and i was in berlin this weekend on march 25th i went with my best friend because it was his birthday and we wanted to spend a weekend in the city to celebrate not just party we had tickets to club ost for the sesh party and when we arrived there was no other people in the line there was a huge line but for people that didn't have tickets and julia told us that with a disgusting face no you can get in get out of here and then proceeded to spit on the uh, spit in front of us on the ground which i considered quite unnecessary and disrespectful we asked about a refund and she said i'll refund you and then i would head home to the airport back where you're from if i were you <laughs> we felt de devastated we love techno since always we are quite we are quiet people in line always and we always leave our phones even in madrid in the hoodies or our coats in a cloakroom because we go to clubbing we just want to feel the music and dance because we really love it and be treated like them and to be treated like that made us super sad after we were walking back to the metro when we saw about blank which is another club in berlin we tried to get in as a plan b and oh my god the bouncers there were so nice and polite we got in after a short nice chat we spent from 1am until midday there and we had the time of our lives met amazing people from berlin and from other places had a wonderful time in general so at least things got better and we went to trezor and aden for the rest of the weekend bloody hell they got it in got in both and respected everything and everyone just fine but yeah that was our experience with this person so we're talking about rocking up to a club this lady's at the door they say hey we've got tickets can we come in she says no even though you have tickets which happens sometimes in berlin to be fair it's a bit of a weird space and then she decides to spit on the floor and then when they ask for refunds um she then tells them i'll get you one but then when i give it to you you must go home straight away you can't even go to another club leave right now you are not welcome here berlin says nine in general the whole city said nine not even a club the whole city then to make matters worse, right? To make matters worse, if you, if you, thought, if you thought I was being hyperbolic and you're like, oh, Christina, you care too much about this stuff. This is stupid. Um, who cares? This is just your little nonsense thing. You're just making something out of nothing. If you thought that was the case, how about this then? Tass, that, Tass Spiegel, right? One of the big papers out there in Germany put out an entire fucking article about this girl. <laughs> right Taz Spiegel look at that an entire article it's translated from German German to English so it won't be a directly good tran translation but just to give you a rough idea the heading says as follows dancing band for TikTok ravers wanted profile distributed to all bouncers in Berlin a so-called TikTok raver claims that she and her guild will be denied access in Berlin clubs in the future what is TikTok raver we clarify so it's got to the point it's got to the point where they're sending memos around to clubs and telling them, hey, if you see this girl with over 400,000 flipping followers on TikTok and her friends out here, do not let them into your establishment. And it's another one too. There's this other girl who I found who's similar in that kind of vein. I think she's featured in the other article. Her name is uh, Leela Vulcan. 
is another one that kind of does the same sort of vibe, right? With these sort of ravey kind of clips and whatnot, right? A little bit of an Aryan princess, a bigger up. But going back to the article, here's what it says regarding the whole TikTok thing, right? TikTok techno. The ban on dancing also applies one week after Good Friday, at least if you're a TikTok raver. They should now be expelled from Berlin clubs all year round. What is a TikTok raver, you ask? We too. We knew. We too. And since we, the gossip editors never rave, but only stand gossiping on the edge of the dance floor, we take a closer look at the phenomenon. The extensive research led to the following results. TikTok ravers are mostly very slim, very muscular, very blonde, and very, very young people who could not come across as more boring in a dazzlingly beautiful way. Out of frustration about their boredom and this decision had to be made at some point during the post-pubescent defiance phase a few months ago as to how more rough average could be built into identity. It's also common that these days when everyone talks about diversity, but you don't. Well, and the solution is obvious. It's simple. Techno. And that's a really good flipping um thing to say. It is very interesting how all of them, by default, again, it's not really my vibe, but I guess most people would describe this girl as conventionally attractive, right? Not really for me, but I know some people would like. And the same thing goes for this lady, right? They're all kind of conventionally attractive, very slim, very young, very fresh-faced, rosy-cheeked type of chicks and kids who've essentially taken over an entire scene that is really full of like really bitter and entitled oldies. So it's a really interesting clash of the ages and generation. All of these TikTok ravers are really young, virile, energetic, and you know, just you know, when you're young and you're flipping, when you're under flipping twenty five, you feel like no one else exists. Anyone over the age of twenty five is basically a flipping pensioner to you. So imagine that flipping tension, that clash happening in real time all the time. You know, you got the elite hipsters, the millennial hipsters, and you got these Gen Z kids raving it up. It's an epic battle. It continues here. You don't have to be gifted dancer or have great taste. Sweatpants below and something on top that remotely resemble a piece of fabric. The difference is complete. <laughs> Although glasses are still missing, either with the hardware store or from the sports shop and the shoes you guessed it, either from the hardware store or from the sports shop, which I've definitely seen also. But I think that's just a tech, that's just a typical Berlin thing. People don't usually care about how they dress, but there is a distinct lack in swag and just kind of, um, I don't know, just good style overall. People just look at an absolute mess. Um, you know, as good as, as crafty as that girl was with her top, you know, she spent all that time making some shit top out of some shit fabric, but she just could have bought a top from a store and used that instead. But hey, what do I know? It continues. Um, now it can start. Dance of Techno, i.e. Rave, have yourself filmed, the, upload on YouTube, upload on TikTok, sorry. The recipe for success of being a little crazy works and is rewarded with countless followers. Some of the ravers have even achieved something like prominence with it. Stella Boosie, for example, with over a million followers, she can ride horses into Berlin clubs and cross up a DJ or Julia Wolf, the girl we just featured, um, a former candidate of Heidi Klum's model search show. Rah, really? This girl was a former model. Okay. She looks a bit small to be a model in that regard, isn't it? But fair play. Um, uh, she regularly shares with her almost 400,000 subscribers how she puts on a certain blush around her nose or applies her eyebrows elsewhere before going to a club, before going to Berlin on Sundays. Um, but that could be the end of it now. A certain Villa Vulcan, the other girl who I featured, tells her followers on TikTok that she has found out something really blatant. In fact, wanted letters were distributed to all bounces in Berlin. No more TikTok ravers come to the clubs. A friend of hers is already they've been rejected because she was over 10,000 followers it's getting very violent in berlin whether it's true or not we don't know but somehow it doesn't matter at least now we know what a tiktok raver is so 
it's going a bit peaky out there in the streets. Um, everyone's kind of getting flustered and annoyed, but it's an interesting time we live in because I think in some respects, you can't blame the clubs for trying this because I think in a post-pandemic age with people basically, you know, not as many people going out as it was beforehand and just, you know, the rising energy cost, the cost of living going up, fees going up, Brexit and whatnot, operating a club, operating a festival and making it profitable or just balancing the books must be extremely hard, extremely, extremely hard. So I don't blame these guys and gals when they try and do whatever it needs to be done to kind of make it work. It makes complete sense to me, to be honest. I don't really blame them in the slightest. I think you need to kind of work it out and figure it out and hopefully 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 it can make some sense going forward and i think you know d deciding to kind of tap into the influencer stuff and get some kids on board who are part of the new generation to kind of help out um to maybe kind of fill in some of the holes of the older folks like myself who maybe have moved on or maybe slowed down their raving makes a lot of sense but you can just imagine what it must be like for people who legitimately you know see Bergheim as like their their safe space where they can legitimately go and unplug from the horrors of everyday life and maybe in some respects get away from people like this to now have people like that you know these TikTok influencers essentially invading your space must be really difficult to take and I know for me having been there a few times some of that kind of uneasy weird vibe I felt was essentially that tension in the dance floor going in the real time the fact that Berger and these kind of places were legitimately you know essentially established for you know being a sort of quasi safe space for people within the gay lgbtq plus scene and then for them to go into a place where they're kind of being adopted by the mainstream and normies and straights like myself and then to now be in a position where all these tiktok gen z kids are coming in and infiltrating it it's probably worse than tourists it's probably way worse than chin stroke is this situation because they're coming in in droves they got money to spend um and whatnot you know it, it, it's just an absolute mess i can see why people are really really upset about it but I'm just really bemused. The fact that these Berlin clubs have such an attitude about how they select people, but they're still the same people who are willing to try out having a flipping TikTok influencer door, door picking on the door is legitimately hilarious. It legitimately makes me laugh that these same places that will go out of their way to make you feel like you're not cool enough are, you know, having the uncoolest, the uncoolest, I feel like people on the door selecting some of them are flipping, you know, half the age of some people that are rocking up who have been there for flipping years denying them coming in makes me laugh to no end makes me laugh to no end but maybe this is the natural course of events and that's how it flows but yeah people were not happy at all she posted a picture or a video of herself inside of Berghain uploaded it onto her Instagram account and people were going absolutely crazy and it got reported all over the place she was deleting comments on Instagram and it seems like people are not having it in the slightest so if you do happen to see these people when, when you go out in Berlin try and avoid them as much as you can and find your own little bubble and space to kind of dance in i think that's one of the good things about raving over there you can find your own little zone and corner to kind of have a good time in. you can kind of avoid the bad vibe guys and gals but if you do see them run a mile run a flipping mile or the vibe of your night will be ruined i guarantee it continuing on from that we got some update here that i thought was absolutely hilarious this is regarding my favorite lsd xoxo he decided to jump onto flipping Twitter and upload or tweet one of the most um, controversial tweets I've seen in a while, considering how um, how people weren't really 
fans of his last set at Bergheim, let's just say. So LSDXOXO played during the Easter extravaganza over there at Bergheim and people were not happy in the slightest because that's where I kind of first learned of the term flipping TikTok techno. I didn't even know what the fuck that shit was. And then obviously people kind of, you know, essentially said it's kind of now top 100 type of hits type of stuff and just really corny, cheesy, Euro trash type of music. And obviously nowadays, the kind of, the way to be like unironically fun and cool is to like really trash and horrible music and lsdxo even though he's a you know god tier flipping producer um djing wise he's probably going to do what needs to be done to basically make the crowd happy and in a place like Bergheim, where people take themselves very very friendly but very very serious um you can imagine him in his head thinking hey i'm going to play this really cheesy euro trash song this is going to really kind of lighten the vibe up and get people kind of dancing again happy well people were not happy in the slightest and i think as much as i love this guy as much as I love LSDXO, I think he really went over a line with this sort of comment on Twitter. He said as following, this is what he posted. Techno dweebs are bullying me because I played Nicki Minaj and Venga Boys in Bergheim. So sorry you guys don't like fun with a sad face. Then he followed it up and said, notice only, notice the only naysayers are white men. This is the critical part that I think might get him in trouble, especially with the Bergheim Booker type people because essentially this is what people would um, term to be reverse racism. And it's also really funny because, you know, Berghain or what was previously called Uskut was essentially set up in Germany, in Berlin, obviously, a predominantly, you know, white majority country um, for gay men. That's who essentially was set up for. So to be in this club that was essentially made as a quasi safe space for that group of people and the LGBTQ plus and beyond, and then start saying it's the white men that are kind of, you know, coming against me. That's a little bit wild. And also the idea that people in Bergheim would be happy hearing Nicki Minaj and Venga Boyd is also LOL. But it makes you think about myself. Like if I ever got a chance or when, so no, if, when I get the chance to play at Bergheim, one of the things that you wouldn't want to do, in my opinion, and in general, you go to those kind of places, you don't go there to hear the stuff that you already hear on the radio or stuff that you already hear day to day. You want to hear stuff that's a bit different and is a bit out there, especially when you consider that for the most part, if I'm not mistaken, the minimum set that you get playing at Bergen is like four hours. And sometimes it can get six or even eight, if you remember if you're closing. So you get a long time. You get time to really dig into your flipping record bag, really take the flipping, you know, ravers on a journey and really kind of challenge yourself and push the boundaries of what people deem to be flipping dance music or whatever it may be. So why go there and play, you know, flipping Eminem? or Nicki Minaj or whatnot. It doesn't make any sense. You might as well go there and kind of really push the envelope and try things because this might be the only chance in your DJ career where you get the opportunity to do that because everyone's usually quite receptive to people that are playing there. Some people go there without even knowing who's on the flipping lineup. So you get a chance to really kind of play in front of a really receptive overall crowd. So for him to go on there, in there, in that sort of space and play Nicki Minaj and Venga Boys, in one way, it's kind of cool the fact that he doesn't give a fuck i said it before right the fact that he's willing to troll people who take clubbing very very seriously Bergheim fans myself included is kind of cool the fact that he doesn't actually care 
but I think it's also a little bit disrespectful to space that you're going in there and basically playing, you know, such commercial music and not really giving it your rule or not really offering anything interesting in the slightest. It doesn't really make any sense. And then on top of that, finishing it off with the white men bad comment is bizarre because essentially the white men are the ones that flipping booked him at the grave. That's the funny thing, right? Mostly the white men are the ones that he impressed that kind of got him on board to kind of play there. So that whole white men bad thing is really, 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 really odd overall but i think this kind of generally speaks i think to the general tension going on in the scene i think these guys and girls lsdxo so good example and a few other people in this kind of tiktok techno scene they're just too big to ignore and i think if you're burger and even though you're big even though you're successful even though you have an amazing reputation loyal fan base you still have to make sure that you're balancing the books you still have to make sure business is somewhat decent so what better way in a post-pandemic world than to tap into people like this and like i said they're just too hard to ignore so you kind of have to make them fit within your club but some of them don't get it or sometimes the fans won't like it especially the ones that are basically you know um you would say maybe quote unquote responsible for the club success which is not really a thing but yeah you know what i mean the kind of og crew they're not going to get it, or the regulars so you kind of have this hard place to be in if you're the booker um over there Berghain, in terms of what you do do you book these guys and girls who are, you know, who have, you know, incredible amounts of followers online, their live streams on their, of their mixes get incredible amount of views. People always buy their singles and whatever, maybe sell out their tickets, other events sell out. Why not get them on board, have them play a set. Maybe they're going to bring their A game, maybe not. But essentially you get a chance to kind of recoup whatever money you lost in that two and a half years that everybody had of not having their spaces open and having to operate under flipping restrictions and whatnot. A lot of clubs are, you know, some of them didn't survive, especially in the UK festivals even. So I can understand that tension, but I can also understand if you're a burger and regular and you're seeing him essentially insulting your intelligence and then essentially saying that you don't like him just because he's black is legitimately insane so big up lsdxoxo but i think this may be one of those tweets that he may end up regretting in the future or maybe not maybe that's actually the coolest thing is maybe in the future he actually doesn't regret it maybe he thinks you know what no like the coolest thing is to actually not care about playing in Berghain. Uh, you know he, he had his run he liked it and that's it and he's just going to keep moving on and extending who knows who bloody knows so moving on from that one moving on from that we have this news which is kind of sad really for him in general but also a demonstration of quite possibly the biggest bag fumble of all time the biggest bag fumble of all time if you're wondering jonathan majors and manager entertainment 360 part ways actor facing domestic violence allegations in nyc so jennifer majors was on the cusp of absolute stardom you know starring in creed um the movie that he did recently what was the other one they did recently um the, the the flipping dc or marvel comic movie he did where he was kang he had a few other projects also up and coming but essentially he was on the cusp to be that next guy that next big blockbuster hollywood you know flipping elite movie guy he was gonna get people in the spums and see and whatnot he did the GQ cover, um, I think, or mental health, whatever it may be. He was absolutely ripped. All the women online were thirsting for him. And just in general, everything was looking so up, so, so up for him. But for some reason, for some reason, this guy made the fucking cardinal sin of doing what you probably should never do as a prominent, you know, figure in Hollywood, especially if you're a man in a post Me Too, uh, post count, you know, current council culture flipping society, and that's put your hands on a woman. And if any, if that wasn't worse, if that wasn't bad enough, he put his hands on a white lady. She happened to be his girlfriend. Don't get me wrong, but being a big 
black dude and putting your hands on a white woman in Hollywood nowadays, in this society we live in at the moment, you're essentially pressing your own cancellation button. No one's going to stand behind you after that. And that was the biggest faux pas that he did. And, you know, the fact that his wife came out or his girlfriend at the time came out and rescinded the allegations and that looked really crazy and the lawyer putting out the flipping SMS messages and shit, just really loosey-goosey, you know, amateur hours type of stuff. But essentially, the beginning part of it is that he should have never put his hands on that woman. And the moment he did, his career went up in flames. And now he needs himself to blame. And it's looking like, even though, you know, evidence may came out that, evidence might come out that flipping disputes the narrative that was put out there initially i think now the damage has essentially been done because this is really bad pr because this means the entertainment company was sending out flipping you know emails to these broadsheets like deadline and variety and rolling stone and stuff and telling them hey officially we're out like they want this to be known this isn't like a rumor these platforms are reporting on this is actually coming from the horse's mouth so this must mean the power players behind the scenes are making their changes because most likely whatever case is going to be facing is going to take a long time to go to court maybe there's some evidence that's coming out soon like this is usually i feel like a preempted thing it even means there's more people coming out who are going to allege other things about him or that the case is going to be pushed back and they can't wait around for him to kind of be found innocent. So essentially they're cutting their ties now while they can. Absolutely crazy. But the article from Deadline says as follows, talent manager entertainment 360 has dropped jonathan majors several sources tell us the recent move by majors longtime manager comes three weeks after the magazine dream star was arrested on domestic violence charges in new york city currently starring in creed 3 and ant-man and the wasp quantanium majors departure was due to issues surrounding the actor's personal behavior were informed so they're making it abundantly clear that they're cutting ties with him and it's because of his behavior like oof major representation problems don't stop with entertainment 360 pr firm led all company also initiated a break with avengers starling last month as a more minor element to this majors and fashion house valentino mutually agreed that the actor would not be attending this year's met gala as one of their guests oh my god he even got he even got flipping like you know de-invited from the met gala that's probably more embarrassing than going the more embarrassing thing is going to the Met Gala, right? In your flipping terrible outfit that's not on flipping theme and standing around with people that you don't like. But the worst thing is getting invited and then getting de-invited. Oh my Lord. Entertainment 360 and Little Company did not return a request to comment. Um, Majors has already shot the second season of Marvel and Disney's Loki in which he reprises his uber villain role as Kang the Conqueror and won't go before the cameras in Avengers to Kang the Destiny for quite some time. Deadline here has been zero conversation with Marvel camp to drop Majors from MCU. So most likely they won't reshoot this. You know, he's still going to be in his role as Kang the Conqueror, but it's going to definitely harm the rollout for those films. And if one thing we know about Hollywood, they don't like that at all. The actor was arrested on March 25th over an alleged domestic dispute with a 30 year old woman. The unnamed victim was taken to hospital with a minor injuries to her head and neck. Do you know what that means? When people hear that, the major thing that people hear when they hear head and neck is they remember the flipping Rihanna pictures during that, you know, incident with Chris Brown all those years ago. That's the first thing people come to mind. It's in a car, um, head and neck injury man re woman the first thing you think about is rihanna especially and again you have to think about his physicality came back to bite him in the ass at one point everyone was thirsting over the size of his biceps and how big his chest was and whatnot and how ripped he looked then he gets accused of abuse with a woman and everyone's oh my god he's so muscular he's so big imagine how scared she was it's like oh god almighty 
life can be cruel. Jennifer Majors is completely innocent, is probably the victim of an altercation with a woman he knows. Majors criminal defense attorney Priya Chowdhury told Deadline on March 27th in a statement. We are quickly gathering and presenting evidence to the district attorney with the expectation that charges will be dropped event imminently. Well, it hasn't done. Chowdhury added at the time that the evidence included video footage from the vehicle where this episode took place, witness testimony from the driver and others who both saw and heard the episode, <coughs> and most importantly, two written statements from the woman reacting delegations. So this is one thing I'm not really too I'm not really too common on. And again, maybe some people who are from America or specifically from New York can tell me this. So this assault went down. They're not denying it. But then later on, the woman who was behind with him in the, in the car, who was his girlfriend, she then rescinded or recanted the allegations. So if you get arrested for, you know, assaulting somebody and then the person doesn't want to press charges, can, can, the, um, can the courts or can the judge, can the police still pursue charges against you? If the person says, no, nah, it didn't happen that way, I lied or I made it up, or it was a different story. Like, can that can that actually happen, or does it just stick? What happens in that respect? Because I don't really understand. Because it says here she recanted the allegations, so you'd assume that the charges would just be dropped, and he could just you know get back to living life without having to explain himself. Laws are crazy over here in the USA. He's going to do a podcast with BGL. Yeah, exactly. Too late to apologize. Exactly. Too late to apologize. It's too late. I think so. Okay, cool. People don't know. I live in NYC. If there's a domestic fight, someone has to go in. Damn, I am sin. Okay, cool. So he is royally cooked, isn't it? He is barbecued. Major's attorney also released a set of text messages to the press redacted to protect the woman's identity in which a letter um, took blame for the fight. Please let me know you're okay when you get this. They assured me that you wouldn't be charged. They said that they wouldn't arrest you for the protocol when you saw the injuries on me and they knew we had a fight. I'm so angry that they did and I'm so sorry in this position. We'll make sure nothing happens about this. I told them it was my fault for trying to grab your phone. I'm only just out of hospital. Just call me when you get out of here. I love you. Doesn't this sound like a lot like flipping, what's that thing? Luana Mancuso, BJL's wife. This sounds really like her, isn't it? When women are in like abusive relationships, they sound eerily similar. This kind of like um, gaslighting of herself is strange, isn't it? Damn, bro. She's kind of like blaming herself for the situation, being sorry about it. I don't know. Crazy situation all in all. It must mean that most likely, if this is the way that she's messaging him, most likely they've had quite a few fights behind the scenes that people don't know about. You know, it must be a generally, I would assume, guessing, allegedly, a very physical um, relationship in that regard, where a lot of abuse is kind of involved all the time. Um, a lot of slamming of the doors, a lot of chucking of stuff out of windows and shit. Um, but yes, yeah, people are saying, the prosecutor is saying, uh, no, so I'm sin saying here, the prosecutor in NYC is firsty as hell. Um, also, he's black, so he's gone, make these charges stick. Yeah. It's looking really, really done, dizzily done for my guy, Jonathan Majors. But literally, this might be the most crazy bag fumble we've seen in real time. Like from where he was destined to go to, his level of acting and all course. Oh, that's what I meant to say. So I watched a movie recently. I thought, oh, this guy's actually a really good actor. Like despite, you know, looking the way he does, he's actually really good at acting. Um, the movie, I forgot what it was. It was a movie where he plays um, a pilot in the army. He's like a pilot in the Navy, sorry. Um, it's like an old period type of, you know, fucking movie. That was really good. He's really, really good in that. Like, he's probably one of the stars in that flipping movie, even though there's a few other, I think, quote unquote, famous guys on there. But he's really good in that. So um, imagine he, he showed range as an actor. 
Um, he clearly is somebody that comes from an artistic background, um, clearly has depth in him and whatnot, but then decided to make the biggest mistake ever. The biggest mistake ever was putting your hands on a woman, especially a white lady, like legitimately one of the biggest first parts I've ever seen in my entire life. And he essentially only has himself to blame on this regard. Like he cannot, cannot in under any circumstances really be putting your hands on a woman, especially especially a white lady especially when you're a really massive big black guy like he fumbled it so so bad and you need yourself to blame and so r.i.p jonathan majors if he's able to come back from this it'll be the biggest comeback of all time but it's not looking good for that guy it's not looking good for the guy Moving on from this one, quick update courtesy of RA regarding the legend that is Laurent Garnier. It says Laurent Garnier cancels summer gigs due to health. The French artist who has no new album on the way in May won't play Sona, Carousel, uh, Nous Sonorous and other festivals. Um, Laurent Garnier has cancelled his upcoming gigs in a post on Instagram over the weekend. The French artist cited health reasons for his cancellations. Some things are easier to announce than others. The post read, since I don't have much choice, I'd rather just go through it, throw it out there without too much fuss the council dates include the dates i said garnier's 57 is also releasing a new album um his first is 2015 of course faith would have it that my album would soon be released at a time that i won't be able to share it with you on the dance floor but i can assure you that once this is over i'll be back in force so yeah man crazy so hopefully he's fine but it definitely does show you man you're definitely getting older like reports of jamie fox obviously going through ways going through i hope he gets well soon also and now someone like a laurent garnier is having health issues you're like rah man rah like legit like your heroes the people you kind of looked up to coming up when you're younger are now becoming the kind of older folks who are you know unfortunately on that side of life where maybe some health issues do come about but again setting up positive vibes only to flipping Laurent Garnier hopefully he gets better soon and he makes a speedy recovery and he's back out behind the flipping decks doing what he does best behind the flipping decks doing what he does best Next, we've got this article courtesy of Mixmag. That's absolutely hilarious. Headline, it says, new TV series on Mussolini will have rave culture and aesthetic and techno soundtrack. Yes, you heard that right. A Mussolini TV series will have elements of rave culture and a techno soundtrack. Why? We shall find out. In upcoming drama television series, M, Son of the Century, which depicts the rise of power of the Italian fascist dictator Benetto Mussolini, will have a rave culture aesthetic and backed by a kind of techno score. The show will be directed by British BAFTA, winning, um, BAFTA winner Joe Wright, who helmed the film 2017 Darkest Hour, which follows the early days of Winston Churchill's Prime Minister in the UK. Um, an early behind-the-scenes shot from the Sky Rituals drama shows a room with a crowd of men seated on the table dressed in almost exclusively head-to-toe black clothing right told variety about the unconventional aesthetic and soundtrack during a set visit it's not told in a verite style but all the facts of what happened there are all there so maybe stylistically it's going to be techno but the story is going to be what it is i kind of like it. it's going to be like a modern interpretation um i see i think let's see it sounds flipping horrendous but let's see he went on to say that he will often play techno on set if i go if i've got a big crowd with a lot of men who are supposed to be on full testosterone and energy then i might play techno or i might play black sabbath so that'll be just be the soundtrack okay so it's not going to be informed they're making it sound like it's going to be a techno series but it sounds like it's just like a thematic basically yeah a theme or somewhat um, a bit of inspiration 
um, or just a soundtrack, which is completely different to the actual film or movie itself or series. Sorry. It continues here to quote, music is very much an integral part of the process for me. He continued. And it's a good way to communicate to the kind of periphery on the set by which I mean craft services or whatever. This is the atmosphere of the scene today. So if you can put on some chemical brothers or whatever, then it keeps the energy alive as well. Wright declined to comment on whether there could be any music by the Chemical Brothers on television scores saying, I don't know yet, but I don't think I'm supposed to talk about that. So yeah, let's see, man. A new Mussolini series featuring a flipping rave culture, aesthetic and techno soundtrack. This is really an example of how flipping mainstream and how normie and general public flipping techno has now become. It's now been absorbed by these TV series trying to pedal and push this stuff in order to kind of captivate or catch the millennials or Gen Z audience so they can, they can watch this series because they know they're not going to get it from all the old fogies, which may explain why these clubs are hiring these tech doctors tiktok techno influencers to stand on the door and pick people um to come in in yay or nine it's absolutely mad absolutely mad um exactly the question remains quite techno yeah i think he said it in, in the flipping article i think he just means techno because in his head when a bunch of men are gravid together all dressed in black the first thing that comes to his head is metal or techno which makes a lot of sense um you know i think of the first time i went to flipping um what's it called i went to download festival one of the amazing things about that was being around so much testosterone or flipping going crazy over flipping slipknot and shit that was really epic to see like crowds of us in the field just head banging and shit me and my afro just flying in the flipping wind not moving right my afro flipping stiff as fuck and me banging my head you know i mean going crazy getting punched in the face losing passports temporarily like that's flipping amazing um, and that usually does happen when you have a bunch of dudes jumping up and down. So I don't blame him for that. I don't blame him for that. Moving on from this, we have an update again, courtesy of Ye, formerly known as Kanye West. He says, in case some of you were upset over there in the States, if you were eager to kind of have him on your ballot, unfortunately, unfortunately, he is not running uh, for president in 2024. Yay, 2024 is officially over, according to the Daily Beast. It says, campaigning chaos, Kanye West just wants to be left alone. <laughs> it's hilarious he says that. After terrorizing Tremaine Emery with a tremendous line, terrorizing Yoon Ambush, terrorizing Virgil's memory, or tarnishing it, um, terrorizing Diddy, terrorizing everybody, right? During that whole episode where he was going at it with everybody, bluffing Adidas CEOs, you know, standing there in a conference room, showing them porn on his phone in a sort of weird power play and just generally being a menace. Now he wants to be left alone. Now, yay, wants to be left alone. Absolutely hilarious. So article from the Daily Beast is as follows. When Kanye and his white nationalist advisor... <laughs> Nick Fuentes, man, Jesus. Anyway, when Kanye and his white nationalist advisor, Nick Fuentes, um, dined with Donald Trump last fall, the iconic rapper and exotic, um, 2020-24, um, Chrysotic, sorry, 2020-24 presidential candidate managed to grab all the wrong kinds of headlines. But since the Mar-a-Lago summit, Kanye West now preferring to go simply by yay, hasn't managed to grab much attention at all. And the disappearing spotlight, according to people close to West's operation, is because his presidential campaign has been on hold for months and made a civil wall amongst West lieutenants and a lack of interest from Megastar himself. Wow. So he changed his mind and his advisors are fighting. The girls are fighting and Ye is over it. 
the girls are fighting and yeah he's over exactly sleeping uh buddha says the biggest attention seeker in the world wants to be left alone exactly absolutely hilarious this is what i love about yay he's full of flipping contradictions he's full of hypocrisy and he just wears it on his jacket i love it it continues as other Republican presidential hopefuls ramp up their White House bids, West's political team of far-right influencers, imagine being called a far-right influencer. It's like it's just as bad as being calling a liberal influencer. Like, horrible. Anything that involves influencers is just horrendous. Even though, you know, there is some value to it because you are kind of, you know, affecting change in some way. Far-right influencer is just horrendous title to have on you. But anyway, <coughs> has found a new foe, each other. After once working together to elect West or at least get him more attention through media appearances on fringe outlets like Infowars, West's campaign staffers like Fuentes, January 6th rally organizer Ali Alexander and bridge propagator Milo Yiannopoulos have turned on one another. Meanwhile, West has remained, um, has remained largely silent about his political future, um, appearing to focus instead on his new marriage to Bianca Sensori, a former designer at his shoe company and his private Christian school, Dunder Academy. Um, I think Milo got fired, didn't he, early on? Because I think, um, what's it called? Nick Fuentes or somebody in his camp snitched to Ye that Milo may have said some not so nice things about Ye and Kim back in the day or whatnot, you know, what he does. And then he got kicked off the team. Um, which is hilarious. It continues. West's marriage, which was first reported in January, coincided with the mark dip in the rapper's interest in his campaign, according to one employee. So maybe we have Bianca Sensori to thank for Kanye dumping this fucking Yay 2024 shit or Yay 24 campaign. Because as a fan of him, that was one of the most embarrassing parts of it. The guy refuses to read a book. He refuses to think about or construct policies in any kind of way, shape or form. But then he wants to be taken seriously as a presidential candidate. Like it's a legitimate insult to people's intelligence. And I don't even live over there. I'm not even flipping American. And it flipping pissed me off. So I can only imagine people that live over there. Adam Camacho, who told the Daily Beast that Wes hired him as a documentary producer in November 2022, said the informal campaign has been a communications nightmare. In February, Camacho tried to contact West to ask if his contract working for the rapper would be extended. Camacho provided Daily Beast a copy of the November paycheck that Yeezy LSC made out to a studio company. And he said, I couldn't get a hold of him. Why is this guy contacting him? Just keep sending the invoices. What's wrong with people, man? This guy is fumbling a bag. If you're on flipping retainer or you're being hired as a flipping documentarian, just keep working behind the scenes. Keep sending the invoices. Whatever gets paid, gets paid. Whatever gets, doesn't get paid, then you know you're not working anymore. Why are you checking? Um, sorry, yay. Just checking. Do I still work for you? Sorry, yay. Hope you're well. Hopefully the wedding went well. Um, just wondering, should I come into work on Monday? It's like, come on, man. Don't be such a flipping baby. Like, shut up. Just keep sending the invoices. Get paid, brother. What are you doing? Um, it continued. Um, eventually, Camacho did reach Ye, who Camacho claims wired him money to extend his agreement. So Ye sent him more money, but Camacho has little to do since the US campaign seems to be on hiatus. So this guy's upset that he's getting free money to sit around and rewatch clips that he's already filmed on Ye's documentary. Like, oh my god! Some people, some people had the, some people just really don't take their blessings. They take the blessings for granted. Camacho recalled West telling him that he was too focused on other ventures like the sushi-only Dunder Academy. Right now, I am living my life. I am concentrating on the school, the Dunder Academy, and my new wife, and my kids, and that's it, West told Camacho, according to the filmmaker. I just want to be left alone. So this is directly words coming from Ye, courtesy of this Camacho guy. 
He's not focused on anything political right now. The producer continued. No person who spoke to Wes about his candidacy said rapper's political operation is no more. His interests are focused on his children, family, and creative endeavors. He should have focused on that before, and isn't it? Maybe he could have flipping kept his family intact. In Who knows? But anyway, said this person who spoke to Daily Beast of the condition of the anonymity due to their closest to the rapper. Anyone that is representing Yay in any political capacity is a charlatan. There is no political shop. So this maybe explains why Nick Fuentes has been going on podcasts, isn't it? He went on that girl, Just Pearly Something's podcast, and he's been doing his thing without Yay. So that makes... That that really explains why Nick Fuentes, Milo, and a few other people are just being, you know, on their own doing things and not flying around with Ye anymore because Ye is just with Bianca chilling. Attempts to reach West through his attorneys were unsuccessful. To the extent that it ever existed, West's campaign earned most of his headlines for the far-right influences West brought on his orbit. The group included Alexander, Yiannopoulos, and Fuentes, as well as anti-Muslim activists and failed Republican Congress candidate Laura Luma. Laura Luma, maybe one of the most beautiful um, flipping Republican Congress candidates that ever existed. Actually, if you ever, if you ever in doubt, definitely Google Laura Luma. She's definitely one of the most gorgeous um, people I've ever seen in my entire life. Absolute stunner, ten out of ten. After publication, Luma disputed that she ever was in West Orbit, though she confirmed that she had offered he had offered her a job. I never worked for Ye's campaign. I never attempted to work for Ye's campaign. As a free speech absolutist, I don't believe anyone should be banned and deplatformed for their speech. Ye approached me and asked me to work on his campaign. I politely declined because I endorsed President Trump and I was appointing President Trump in the 2024 election efforts. Isn't Laura Loomer Jewish as well? That would have been hilarious, isn't it? Ye goes on his anti-Semite flipping, you know, flipping a, in a promo tour. Uh, says he loves Hitler and then Laura Luma takes a job that would really do bad for her flipping rep online I think she's Jewish I'm not too sure I think she is these members um, of West's new entourage joined him in a shambolic interviews with far right um, with right wing so personalities like Alex Jones and Tim Paul they think Tim Paul's right wing now Okay, fair play. Um, to which, latter which ended with the West and the Anapas storming out. Nearly as soon as the campaign began, however, West's operatives began to turn on each other. In December, Yiannopoulos was fired from West's campaign, seemingly replaced by Alexander. And with West's campaign basically dormant, Alexander has little to do on the rapper's behalf. But each side of, of the accused of the other plundered um, campaign for money. See, this is what I've heard as well, by the way. I've heard through people close to Ye, all the time that he's a nightmare to deal with but he pays well and because he's so crazy and out there sometimes people get left on retainer or get left on the flipping employee booked way past their actual you know use for a project and they just keep getting paid and it's just coming out of his account and obviously this guy's got you know he's a flipping billionaire basically he's got so much money he doesn't really realize and I think only in the last few years, he started to take more kind of control of his finances. But for a long time, he'd have people that he paid or got on board for work on certain projects and they'd still be sending through invoices. <laughs> I've heard this is a thing. So he's crazy, he's a nut, but I've heard he pays very, very well. He definitely believes in paying creatives their fair rate. He's two sides. Either you don't get paid at all or you get paid abundantly well, which is why a lot of people don't come out and say bad things about Ye because he pays everybody well. Um, and he definitely puts you on and shit. Like he doesn't, he's not really, he's not shy of sharing the limelight like other people are. Um, it continues here. It says on his way out of the campaign, Yanapolis reportedly demanded 116,000 in payment from West, ultimately receiving roughly 50,000 in total. So he wanted 100k and he got half. Still decent lick. According to campaign finance reports, Fuentes accused Yanapolis of running up hotel bills. <laughs> of course he did. Milo looks at somebody that would run up hotel bills. 
worth tens of thousands of dollars on Fuentes' credit card during the campaign. It came that Yanapis acknowledges, though he insists he tried to reimburse Fuentes. Oh my God. Milo was trying to get over 100,000 in payments for 10 days work. Luma told the Daily Beast. The fact of the matter is no one gets paid that much money in 10 days. And you know how, you know, now he's back to the, he trashes everybody. Basically doesn't want to work with him. So yeah. So it basically shows that this grift, that these guys are all on is very lucrative that's why they do what they do the grift is lucrative they consult for this person they appear here on on interviews they get sponsors on this side bloody blah, blah 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 and it all adds up this is why they're all peddling the same shit the right wing grift is very lucrative um the tit for tat feuding has taken on another uh strange dimensions on telegram the social media network popular with far-right figures last week text messages between yannapolis and fuentes leaked on telegram and twitter this message the text messages flattered yannapolis's narrative and um that he played a sort of mentor role for the young white nationalist report leader yannapolis embraced the leak which also included potentially embarrassing exchange when yannapolis advised fuentes on how to make up for his short stature alexander and fuentes did not return square request for a comment this month however the right the fight has over the ruins of west campaign turned more serious the rival sides lobbed unconfirmed accusations that their enemies had participated in various improper activities what's that Inapolis even set up a hotline asking for dirt on alexander what are they asking for like flipping gays sordid details and shit this is crazy, man. Um, I was disappointed by, and I'm now disgusted with my former protege, Yannapolis added in a lengthy statement to Daily Beast. In a lengthy statement, <laughs> Nicholas um, has shown himself to be incapable of humility, growth, gratitude, strategy, teamwork, and political judgment and basic honesty. This is like the fucking Spider-Man meme, isn't it? Yannapolis accusing Fuentes of lacking humility, growth, gratitude, strategy, teamwork, political judgment, and basic honesty. Um, amid the fighting, Alexander has portrayed himself on social media as still close to Wes's uh, presidential bid, but Camacho, the producer, doubts there's much presidential run of to speak of. Ali is all over Twitter representing Ye as if he's part of Ye's campaign, Camacho said, and it's completely bullshit. Uh, while West's own worried, while West's own operation is in chaos, those around Trumps are worried for him much. I don't know, cool. You get the gist anyway. It's over for the Ye's presidential campaign. So if he was on the Ye 24 flipping hype train, I'm sorry to tell you that that is now over. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry to tell you that that is now over. There is no more. It's absolutely gone. It's finished. It's over. Arigato. Arigato what can you do in it it is what it is man it lasted well while it was there you guys had your fun um it is what it is and it? it is what it is bear with me one second as i quickly refresh this i've got to double check this i forgot to do this oh my god i've got to quickly do this just move this on that page let's see what you guys are saying here in the chat body ba 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 let me a second here as I quickly move this away. Let's move this away here. A lot of paste on that one. Let's paste this on there. Let's say good. Right. Cool. Let's say next. Okay. Let's see description. Let's see what it says here. Holy bolly, here we go. Bear with me a second, though. Cool, it's working now. There we got this. Is he a Catholic? Yeah, I think he is. Is he a Catholic or Christian? I'm not too sure, to be fair. I think he's Catholic. I'm pretty sure. One or the other, anyway. 
whatever he is he thinks he's right <laughs> he thinks he's right in absolutely everything mate it's absolutely weird oh, i swear to god it's absolutely bizarre it really really is boom 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 okay let's move that there i think we've done that and let's pay that cool i think it's done now i had to quickly do this okay that should be all over and done with okay moving on from that moving on from that what's we got going on here oh let's talk about this have you guys seen this this is a pretty good one um oh no let's move on let's move on to this to go this one so let's go to this one straight for so this is courtesy of brain dead one of my favorite brands out there big up kyle eng um doing some absolutely amazing things um i worked with him for a very very brief time whilst i was putting together this online street record course for brands back in the day for this company i used to work with that virgil was involved with too that's how i got to meet virgil and i kind of worked with carl eng and kind of brought him on board as one of the um kind of curators and mentors not mentors more so for the brands that were coming on there and we did some bits of content with him also i might actually upload some clips i've left um of carl eng basically giving some of the brands on the course that i was helping out with i'm um, giving us advice and whatnot but when i basically brought him on board branded was a little bit more of a smaller operation than what it is now um mostly they were doing t-shirts and hoodies and shit and now they're a fully fledged um you know business and a brand and they're now doing collaborations and stuff and they're just going from kind of you know strength to strength and one of the collaborations they're doing now at the moment is with oakley which looks pretty sick, right? So Oakley, the the company that makes the great sunglasses, the ones who make the sunglasses for all the flipping Karens out there and the Kens, they're now also getting into the game of footwear. From what I've been un led to believe, they've always done this in the past. Um, it was something I may have seen in a few Japanese mags here and there, but then they've got this kind of Oakley factory team thing that Braindead are doing together with Oakley where they produce these shoes, they produce these really amazing sunglasses. And I have to be honest, man, the shoes and the glasses look absolutely incredible um the first ones i want to show you are ones i've got here on the screen courtesy of the we are brain dead um dot com website that you can check out right now and kind of grab them if you need be and as i keep saying on this podcast i really have a real strong aversion to this kind of mr me too thing that happens within sneaker culture and streetwear where everybody kind of wears the same shit everyone's into jordans everyone's into new balances and stuff it's not really interesting in the slightest and i think when i was growing up the kind of way to be a real sneakerhead was to kind of be into shoes that not many people were into right it was a kind of you know grab the shoes that guys and gals basically overlooked and kind of make those your own as opposed to just buying the same old jordans and air maxes that everyone's wearing so when i see these oakley brain dead shoes the first thing i think about is that oh these would be a real decent shoe to wear nowadays if i went to kind of get back into the whole sneaker culture game and kind of have something a little bit different that not many people have and the first model here um is this chop saw model um that's the branded oakley factory chop saw model um the details um, courtesy of um, the branded sites is as follows our branded exclusive chop saws with the oakley factory team sitting next to nothing when it released decades ago the oakley factory team chop saw in a jacket maroon shines a new light on this unforgettable silhouette with fresh textures it's a brilliant support and furious grip the eye-catching serrat serrated eyelid plaque and the sole provides a sturdiness of silhouette and fusing form so i absolutely love these because they've got a good sort of blend of what i like in terms of the sort of 
outdoor rugged acg aesthetic but they're also sleek enough to be like a conventional sneaker that most people will kind of be into but i think these look really cool really original and again they look nothing like what you see on the market at the moment they look they look maybe the closest thing you can maybe match them to in terms of a look and aesthetic is potentially like a yeezy or something but i still think that's kind of unfair um in terms of a comparison i still think they look really different and kind of unique in their own way and it just offers something different than what you see out there. So rocking a pair of these, I feel like you do yourself way more favors than wearing the same old Jordan ones and everything else that people are flipping um, on. Honestly, I really, really hate it. So I, so I really hate that sort of stuff. And one thing again to note here, which I always talk about, which is really, really anal and most people wouldn't care about, but you can tell these guys are sneakerheads and they come from the same scene that I come from because look at the lacing. Lacing is perfect. They've got the... They've got this sort of like V shape going on here with the laces. And then if you notice here, the left shoe, this lace goes over. And as does the corresponding right shoe, this lace goes over. And I think it's hard to describe here if you're not watching the video, but essentially this was a thing that we used to always do if you're a sneakerhead. You'd kind of relace your entire shoe and make sure the right shoe laces were going on top as the left shoe laces were going on top and they were kind of going in this sort of like up um, diamond V sort of pattern all the way into the top of the laces. And sometimes when you get to the top, top where you want to lace them, you then put this lace under so it comes over so you could knot it and you can have a nice knot on top of it. So this is a slight detail, but it tells me that I'm operating with the right people so brain dead really do get it that soul looks absolutely amazing also and the shoe itself and these sort of advertising pictures also looks really really good so big up brain dead um it looks flipping cool i love the flipping jacks or what's it called the chop saw colorway and look you know great colorway of a shoe great model and because it's not the most popular thing out there still the sizes are available in all the flipping colors which is absolutely crazy in my opinion i think these should be sold out ages ago considering how amazing they look oh yeah okay they sold out in this brown colorway but the other ones maybe not so much but yeah check them out if you haven't already they really really look good um they look good sorry overall in my opinion and they've also got some cool glasses as well that i quickly want to mention that i'm absolutely loving the looks of also let's see if i can find it here there's some cool glasses that also got features that look pretty decent cool little kind of go faster um glasses but these glasses have also kind of been adopted and kind of absorbed into the techno scene i think some of you guys have seen my kind of fake um aliexpress copies of those balenciaga glasses kind of feature the same sort of thing but um in the in techno club especially if you go bergheim these type of glasses have now become extremely popular like you see here this one this particular colorway in green is sold out the orange is still available but these glasses are really popular in bergheim clubs you see people wearing these oakley cycling gloves or visors so cycling um glasses or visors all over the place and shit so big up brain dead again love them the shoes look amazing in different colorways they're sold out some of them are still in stock as you can see here retails 143 pounds according to them but i'm sure it's different in the us maybe it's the same just different sort of um currency and there's also some hats as well included in it as well but yeah all of it looks have been amazing i love it all of it looks great big up brain dead one of my favorite brands out there and again if you're looking for something that's maybe not as bait or as obvious as supreme or even stussy i definitely recommend you check out brain dead definitely one of my favorites 100 percent one of my favorites oh then we need to talk about we talk about here let's see if i can grab this up on here come on work 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 there we go cool let's talk about the is about this 
Yeah, let's talk about this. This is pretty cool as well. This is courtesy of Over and Under. This features Zach Verdi. Sorry, Zach Verdi. Zach Bia and Verdi. Um, putting together this collection with Nike, which looks pretty cool. It should be called Zach Verdi, isn't it really? But they put this pretty decent, um, field trip, uh, bomber jacket that they put together in basically collaboration with Zach Beer's record label called Field Trips, um, which looks really, really nice. I like how they put this together, but it got me thinking in general about this Verdi guy. He's got that brand. I forgot the name of it with a flipping heart on it. Uh, it just escapes my mind now. And I'm wondering, is this guy kind of like a plant? It feels like he's come out of nowhere and he's kind of replaced skate thing or court or that kind of, you know, there's always that kind of go-to streetwear artist that everyone kind of collaborates with and he seems to be the one that everyone kind of leans into and kind of gravitates to maybe it's his personality i don't know what it is um i personally think the art is a little bit overrated but he feels like a bit like a plant to me like he came out of nowhere um and he's essentially just been now the go-to guy that everyone kind of taps into when they want to have particular rt type of stuff done to their whatever works it may be and the the heart stuff is a little bit lame and a bit of you know i'm a little bit over it overall but people seem to love it this jacket is really nice though this kind of um it looks like a baseball jacket um shape wise uh sorry like a, like a bomber jacket but the shape is really relaxed and nice um it's kind of like a navy brush cotton maybe satin type of material you've got a nice swoosh here and some badges here on the chest and on the sleeve and then a really nice field trips logo in this custom font um with a swoosh underneath and learn to fly at the bottom the actual jacket looks pretty cool i'm not gonna lie um and you've got zach beer here modeling it alongside the verdi you got zach beer here with his turkish teeth see those turkish teeth look good in it Imagine me with my Turkish teeth. I don't have rosy cheeks like he does because he's super young. But imagine if I had Turkish teeth. That would be me. I, I could have a bit of that Turkish teeth going on. He looks fucking good there. <laughs> so big up Zach Beer. And then you've got another picture here again with them, with the jacket itself here. Learn to fly, Field Trick Records. And then you've got the badges here on the left, on the left uh, sleeve, um, field trip records again here with another badge on the side. But the actual post that Zach Beer put up was actually quite nice, actually. I kind of like it. Um, really, really sweet. The post he put up regarding the whole tired thing here, courtesy of um, Over Under. It said, as a kid, I dreamed one day of having a record label. I dreamed of putting out music. Growing up collaborating with Nike seemed like something only my idols would do. Verdi is one of my favorite people and favorite creatives, someone that I have long admired and has graced my music and work with his art. For all of this to come together is beyond me. Um, FTR, Verdi, Nike collaborative jacket in celebration of music and my becoming project, Learn to Fly. So it's really cool that we're going to see it. So maybe that's a compilation album he's going to put together, showcasing the artists that he has on these field trip records. Maybe it's just his production, who knows, but you can see what that is. But it also kind of speaks to overall what I've said before in the pod where I kind of rate and that's why I kind of have a lot of respect and admiration for the Gen Z kids, especially the ones in my kind of like streetwear scene, because I feel like these kids are way more entrepreneurial and go-gettery than my millennial generation. I feel like I feel like they didn't my generation for the most part. We were basically hoping and begging that we would get the nike energy marketing job or we'd be some big wig at some flipping tread agency or be working at a marketing agency or working at a brand or being at a store or something but we never had aspirations of actually having a brand that would actually collaborate with these big 
brands that we looked up to. It was always, I want to work for Nike, I want to work for Adidas, I want to work for Levi, Supreme, Stussy, Bape, whatever it may be, as opposed to, I want to make my own Bape and Supreme. And I feel like these kids nowadays, they don't care about working for these companies. They want to actually make their own thing and then collaborate. You know what I mean? That's a really swaggy and kind of a sick thing to see at their age to be able to be like, you know what? let's just like jump out and do this properly jump out the window all the way and just do this all the way properly and kind of set up my own thing and kind of have us operate on the same sort of level and none of this kind of introductory interny just here happy to be here type of vibes no we want to take everything and i really respect that i think they really do really well with it so i feel like with us we were too worried about jobs and these kids are just worried about not having a job they just never they just don't want to have jobs like they're the kids that are basically quitting their jobs one day in because because the vibes ain't right right because the manager's not flipping giving the right vibes or whatnot that i love that kind of energy that they have in general but yeah so yeah that's verdi's brand it's called girls don't cry and that's verdi there i guess adding some details custom details inside the label and whatnot so yeah um big up zach beer uh big up verdi the jacket looks pretty sick i'm loving it um definitely eager to see what happens with this compilation when he definitely ends up putting it out sometime in the future sometime in the future moving on from that one we've got news here am i think going up a little bit what's happening with my cpu usage okay cool it's still low so this is news courtesy of complex am i still here i'm sorry yeah i'm still here nice nothing's going on there courtesy of complex this is pretty interesting news considering what's happening so this is courtesy of complex nigo and nike deal signed collaboration coming so my goat my north star as brendan Schub will say right about north star this is my north star this is my guy has been my guy for a very, very, very long time. Nigo, um, the founder of Bape, and some would say, along with flipping Hiroshi Fujiwara, the godfather of streetwear, like legitimately goated. You don't need to add more context or information to it. If you don't know, do your Googles, do your YouTube searches, find out. But this is the guy, right? This is the guy, the guy, the guy, definitely my North Star, and definitely somebody that I've kind of looked up to from flipping day dot with everything that he's done creatively over the flipping years so the funny thing about this is that nike have recently opened a flipping case against bape they are suing bape for the bapester because um you know as previous years most of you guys would know the, the original bapester was kind of modeled on the nike air force one and then over over the spell of time of years and stuff nike would threaten to sue and then what they would end up doing is changing the overall kind of you know design of the shoe to make it a bit different than what the flipping um, nike air force one was so they want to get sued over time but then i feel like recently in recent years they've kind of gone back to that quintessential air force one silhouette and just have the star on the side of it so clearly um, nike aren't happy about this in the slightest and decided to sue them so in the midst of them being sued the former there's you know head of flipping bape and founder of it who unfortunately had to flipping let go of the brand because he just spent way too much money making it a flipping legendary cult you know brand has now gone in to do his own brand human made and is now kind of running things over at kenzo so to have this happening at the same time is quite hilarious and somewhat poetic so this is obviously nigo there in an amazing vintage levi's jacket that's probably worth hundreds of thousands of pounds um it says here yeah, japanese designer nigo the streetwear titan who founded bape and human made is 
currently serves as artistic director for French um, fashion house Kenzo, is working on a collaboration with Nike. Um, sneaker industry sources tell Complex the deal between Nigo and Nike marks a shift um, for the designers' footwear alliances. Nigo's brands have worked exclusively with Adidas over the past 20 years, exactly. So, um, we know him to do that. And I think the good thing about Nigo, which is interesting, I think a few of these guys like Hiroshi, they have the ability to sometimes jump around from brands. They're not really, because for the most part, if you do collaborations with Nike, you kind of have to decide who you're with. You're either a Nike guy or an Adidas guy. They don't usually like to you to jump around. So the fact that this is happening maybe speaks to the shifting culture where maybe these big sportswear brands are seeing there's no value in having these exclusive deals. Actually, one thing kind of benefits the other. So even if he does go eventually back to Adidas, it will eventually still impact and help the sales of Nike anyway, in general, because they kind of all operate within the same source sphere. Um, that's my thinking. That's how I would approach it, but I'm sure these guys think differently. It continues here. It says, um, Nike did not respond for comment about the relationship with Nigo. The director at Otsumo, the parent company for the designer founded in 2016 that sits on top of the current brands, did not respond for a comment either. Nigo and Nike are still in the early stages of working together on a sneaker, according to one source, and one collaborative product won't be released until 2024 at the earliest. The Japanese designer has never worked directly with Nike on a product before, but the brand's leadership team um, met him on trips in Tokyo in early 2000s per one sneaker veteran who has um, in Nigo's orbit then um, Nigo is best known for sneakers for the Bape star his Nike Air Force One inspired Bape model that enticed sneaker collectors in the early 2000s aside from his inline footwear Bape started um, to collaborate with Adidas on sneakers at the Superstar beginning in 2003 Nigo sold Bape in 2011 and stepped down from the company in 2013 but his connection to Adidas is endured the designer released a collection with Adidas in 2014 a source tells Complex that Adidas and Nigo are not extended their contract. Adidas did not provide a comment on whether they're ongoing partnership with Nigo, but the deal between Nigo and Nike likely precludes any of the labels from partnering with competing companies. So his Adidas deal was up, Nike knew, and they swooped him for the kill, or this is just a temporary thing and he could always go back. And you have to remember too, this is a Nigo and Nike deal. It doesn't sound like a Nigo and human made deal or a, you know, Nike and flipping um kenzo deal so there is a possibility of splitting it because i know that's what a lot of these guys are doing it's quite smart like matthew williams from alix has got his own mmw thing that he does with nike so he can basically do you know other bits and bobs with alix with other brands and not have that kind of you know not have the flipping um not have any sort of conflict with the branding and shit so that's pretty decent so i mean to see what's happening it's going to be a new silhouette, I'm assuming. There's no point of getting Nigo involved and just letting him redesign or add a colorway to an Air Force One because we already have a Bapester. Although that would be pretty hard if he came in and did like his own interpretation of what he'd like to see colorway-wise in Bapesters on Air Force One because that's one thing about Bapesters that worked really well. Um, the colorways were so awesome that like you could never get those bright, crazy, outlandish colorways on Air Force Ones ever. That's why everybody basically swooped up for the Bapesters because it was a familiar silhouette, but you also had the added incentive or the added kind of sprinkling that they were limited and the colorways were sick. So if he does an Air Force One, that would be quite cool, but I would appreciate, I would prefer if they signed up the Titan, the flipping, you know, streetwear, the streetwear flipping OG or Godfather, it would be much better, much more impactful if he was able to kind of build and make his own model from scratch as opposed to just go in there and kind of you know do the old flipping stuff where you just you know add a colorway to the existing shoe so let's see what happens going forward but i would hope 
fingers crossed in my regard that he is able to kind of do his own thing fingers crossed that he is able to do his own thing one can only hope one can only hope um da, 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 da. let's go here bear with me a second i quickly want to just shut down a couple windows here i can see my thing is a bit buffering on this side of the flipping monitor as per usual so let's hope i can get this flipping taken off now to kind of have it stagnating a little bit because it's going a little bit crazy bear with me one sec i just shut this window down a little bit let's go can i move it around here are you gonna work yes you are there you go let's shut this down and then we can have at least one window open and everything can be nice and cool as it needs to be boom, 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 boom. let's make this work hopefully it's working now bear with me one second as i get this working on my side come on come on come on it's approaching there we go still got the wheel of death unfortunately there we go we're back we are back okay moving on so we have to have to have to get on talking about the flipping major story the last couple of days of course has been um frank ocean's not so epic performance at coachella not so epic performance at coachella and i have a lot of thoughts i have a lot of interpretation on this i'm sure some of you guys have probably got your own thoughts having seen some of the clips and stuff online regarding his um flipping what you call it his um performance over that coachella meant to be a headlining set meant to be a headlining set but it kind of failed to kind of live up to expectation um especially when you consider um you know the level of artist that he is and whatnot but essentially um frank ocean was booked to be a headliner on the sunday i think of coachella i think yeah friday so yeah you better be the headliner on sunday and obviously it was a super anticipated performance because he hadn't performed in years um obviously there's not been an album in a long time also and he's basically been ghost and mia um you know for a very long time also and in between that time he's done a few projects here and there but the major part the major thing he's launched in between that time has been homer his jewelry um brand and he's got a store i think somewhere in new york also that he has but homer's been doing absolute bits but on the music side he's kind of been a bit quiet um with the exception of a few songs here and there um the apple radio show that he does but we haven't really got any indication of him returning back in any significant way so everybody heard myself included being a frank ocean fan that hey he's coming back at coachella it was like wow that'd be an amazing thing to see and then of course with the weekend when it started out um, i think the first performance i saw was push it on a friday live streamed on flipping the coachella youtube account it seemed amazing it seemed like a great opportunity for fans worldwide who weren't able to go to coachella to see one of their favorite artists in frank ocean perform live on a sunday live streamed from the comfort of their home own homes um extended set whatever it may be closing set be a great opportunity for him to perform but unfortunately, it didn't turn out to be the way that we kind of hoped it would be and ended up being an absolutely catastrophe. And one of the things we have to kind of get out of the way, and I think this is really, really important, is that number one, his look could have told you everything you need to know about the performance that you were going to get there. This is courtesy of an account over on Twitter, and it kind of showcases um, essentially what this performance looked like of Frank Ocean performing at Coachella. And this is him wearing... Um, what looks like you an outfit you would wear if you were popping out to the shops quickly to go grab some milk and some bread he's got a um you know a nondescript outdoors but you know down jacket on some really comfortable pants and what look like hotel slippers i'm sure they're not 
but they look like hotel slippers. I'm sure there's something a bit more designer and a bit more cooler, but they essentially look like the free slippers that you get in hotels. Let me play the clip of Frank Ocean's performance at Coachella. And the funny thing is, he's dancing around, you know, basically miming along to the, or singing along to the flipping music without a mic and just vibing, kind of doing what Playboy Carti does, but without the screaming into the mic and jumping around. And then I think just recently they put out a press release from his PR team or something that he hurt his ankle. That's why he didn't perform correctly. But in this clip, there's no way he could hurt his ankle. So that was obviously catastrophic. And then on top of that, you've got this clip, which maybe gives some context as to why the performance was so bad. Because if you're not aware, he turned up an hour late. Um, he basically phoned in the performance for the most time. He was sitting down, singing or humming along to some of his tracks. There was an interim stage where a DJ came on and played, who people rate as a DJ, but unfortunately she was getting pelters also because the set wasn't the greatest and she kind of popped out of nowhere. Then some backing singers were singing. Then he would get on the camera, in front of the camera basically, and be kind of flexing on some of the big screens, but you couldn't actually see him on stage if you were in there. And in general, the performances wasn't great and wasn't really what people kind of assumed it would be and there was really minimal singing and involvement from Frank himself over there but I think this speech may give an indication as to why Frank was the way he was when he was performing at Coachella this is Frank's speech at Coachella and this may explain his kind of state of mind overall it's been so long <laughs> but I have missed you talking about why I'm here because it's not because there's a new album. It's because not that there's not a new album, it's like okay. oh. <laughs> but there's not right now. No, it's church, it's church, it's not right now, it's not right now. But you know, Basically, he wasn't in the right state of mind. And if you heard the speech in full, sorry, because my flipping computer is going a bit crazy, so I wasn't able to play it you know, smoothly. But essentially, he's still grieving. 
and you can hear it by the sound of his voice when he mentioned his brother because um sometime in 2020 i think just around the pandemic i remember it happening um unfortunately his young brother called ryan uh passed away in a car accident uh, i think he had a car crash and he died on the scene which is really really sad and gruesome even more so because i remember the time there was um video footage of a news station on the scene when it happened um, and the car was, you know, I think it crashed somewhere into a car or maybe into a lamppost and it was just on fire. And I guess the kid unfortunately couldn't get out or they couldn't get him out because the fire was just too much. And um, the car was basically just lit on fire for ages um, until the fire services had to kind of get there. And the image is still seared in my mind of a video that basically shows a new station there and it pans over and you see Frank on the floor on the side of the pavement like with his head with his basically head in his hands on the scene as this thing happened so um you can only imagine what that must have been like you know have seeing your brother essentially die in front of you and you're basically powerless to help so clearly the guy's not in the right mental state of mind to do any kind of performing anytime soon like it's not going to happen so for me as a fan i think most fans themselves out there knew this was the case but then when you're seeing him do other projects, when you're seeing him accept the you know invitation to go and perform at Coachella, even though this felt like it was a contractual obligation because he didn't do the one in 2020 because obviously the pandemic and then now he kind of was obligated to follow through with this one and maybe he couldn't afford the fine, whatever it may be. If you're a fan, you just assume that he might be in a place that would allow him to perform like you know decent or maybe step out and kind of be in the good spirits you maybe would think so but after hearing that speech clearly he hasn't recovered or he would probably never ever be over the fact that his brother passed in that way and it's probably fundamentally changed him i think i threw out a theory that quite possibly this is a really strange theory to throw out there but frank has always been a bit mysterious and he's also been somebody that hasn't really gone out of his way to communicate with his fans that's kind of been a really a bit of a point of contention for me as a big you know um frank cushion fan i really kind of hate the lack of lack of communication that he always has had with his fan base he drops when he drops he releases when he releases talks when he talks and when he does talk to you it's always through this cryptic vague posters on his flipping tumblr or through some weird you know texting that he puts in a magazine but it's never direct you know he rarely does interviews or anything but over time because the music is so good and because his artistry is such an high level you kind of accept it right he's able to operate at such a high level of art that you kind of accept the fact it doesn't give you anything outside of that because the work is so good but over time it does get a little bit um, bothersome it does get a little bit corny and lame and over time the older you get especially you just want your artists and your performers who you kind of love and kind of admire to just do what they do best and perform all the other extra bits are really not your concern and are really stuff that kind of take away from the actual overall art itself so my theory about about frank is this i think frank might be like those sports athletes professional sports athletes who are really happen to be really gifted or talented in playing a particular sport football wherever it may be basketball american football nfl but they don't actually enjoy the game there are many like that who don't watch tape. They hate watching tape if they have to. They don't participate in anything sports related outside of their actual team and occupation. And essentially, they just clock in and clock out like it's a job. But they don't love it. And usually those people are the first to retire really early because, you know, they collect their paper, they have their fun and then we want to other things. So maybe in Frank Ocean's case, he's just insanely gifted in terms of making music and singing. It kind of comes really easy to him. So why not do it? 
But really deep down, it's not something he actually wants to do. Because what you see him doing that he actually looks like he's having fun doing is Homer. Homer, he looks really, really locked in on. Like he hasn't stopped dropping jewelry pieces. People are wearing it and loving it. There's a whole entire fake industry around Homer. People buying fake bits and bobs off of it or flipping Alibaba and whatnot, which definitely shows you that the brand is successful when people are faking it to that level. Like he's legitimately doing really well with flipping Homer. So maybe his passion always was to enter into design. It was never music. So now... Um, and maybe the other side of it also is maybe his brother was the reason why he did music in the first place his brother maybe was that first person that was like you know what um, do it like please you're really good at this kind of encouraging him even though he didn't really want to do it and now that his brother's passed away he probably sees no reason to do it or whenever he does do music it kind of really does kind of take away or kind of makes him or maybe reminds him that his brother's no longer here with him that maybe is kind of the thing that I'm kind of feeling with this. So that might kind of be the reason why we get this really apathetic version of Frank overall. But I think with this whole entire debacle, this all could have been avoided if there was communication. That's the main, main thing that's really fucking over Frank. And I think nowadays people are getting older. His fan, his fan base is gone. He's getting older. The newer kids don't have patience for it. I just think nowadays, especially someone really said in the chat with the, with the price of Coachella, considering how much people, how much money people pay for performances at Coachella, considering how prestigious that festival is, even though it's not the greatest in the world. And also considering the caliber performances at this show, right? I watched Remy Wolf smash it. I watched Push T smash it I watched um Young Lean smash it um I watched Bad Bunny headlining set absolutely destroyed I watched Rosalia destroyed you can't be at that kind of level because you know Frank's on that caliber of artists if not bigger and pulling a performance like that it's just not going to be acceptable no one's going to accept it but I think communication wise if Frank would have come out early on and said hey guys um i'm you know give me time i haven't performed in the ages this is just a set that i'm kind of doing for my fans to kind of see show you that i'm still here um it's also not going to be live streamed because i think that also pissed off a lot of people myself included all the sets so far have been live streamed without exception i think maybe the only one that didn't get live streamed maybe was bjork i think so but so far all the big artists have basically live streamed their sets but frank was the first person who stipulated last minute that he wasn't going to have his set live streamed and either Coachella knew this was going to happen and didn't say nothing because they wanted the people to keep watching their live streams and buy tickets last minute or he definitely did just tell them last minute I'm not streaming it so then you had people in the audience like kids live streaming the flipping performance from their smartphones and kind of you know broadcasting it live on Instagram live or whatnot and you know obviously the footage wasn't the greatest or sometimes their batteries run out or the network wasn't too good and then they were getting attacked online so it was just really really crazy in that regard so i think he would have avoided a lot of hassle if frank came out and said hey i'm kind of not in the right space of mind right now i'm also not going to live stream this set ahead of time and everyone would have left him alone the fact they didn't communicate i think really kind of added to people's anger and kind of made people really upset overall but then the worst part of it is this story courtesy of festive owl this account kind of spread this story that kind of gave some context as to what was going on behind the scenes so this is the follows I've been speaking with sources that know exactly what transpired and how things went so downhill Sunday for Frank Ocean at Coachella. Here it goes. The stage production was supposed to and did contain one ice rink was constructed and ready to go. So they had an ice rink with skaters ready to go that was scrapped last minute. This is how, you know, crazy it was behind the scenes and how frantic, I guess, um, Frank was. Frank decided at the last minute that he no longer wanted it 
at all. All of the people walking um, around him at the start of the performance were actually ice skaters, had been practicing for weeks and were supposed to be skating as part of the production. Coachella had uh, deconstruct and approved the stage and melt the entire ice rink and then set it up how Frank decided to do today with no warning, which is what you ended up seeing and caused the hour long delay. This will happen when doors had already opened for Sunday and people were securing their spots to see him. If the last minute changes weren't made, he wouldn't have performed at all, leaving the festival without a closing headliner. So Frank basically put Coachella into a corner. It kind of felt like Frank wanted Coachella to cancel him. He actually didn't want to do it. It kind of felt like maybe last minute he woke up and was like, you know what, I don't want to do this. So he was trying to be as difficult as possible in order for him to cancel. But I guess Coachella also wants to get their money's worth. They want to have him perform, you know, and have that kind of clout of having him on stage regardless and take the pictures and stuff for the press media and marketing. So he just said, you know what, perform anyway. And then he kind of decided to perform, but only with these stipulations. It continues. Frank also personally pulled the plug at least second at the last second sorry on the live stream which left a very sour taste in many inside Coachella's mouth especially people like myself who are not there like it's, it's annoying ultimately I quote it just didn't seem like he wanted to be there but was obligated to be there everything including him fell apart last minute don't expect to see any coverage from the festival about the set something that is unprecedented in the history of Coachella the relationship is not in a good place right now so it'll be a miracle if we see him next week i am seeing reports that he might be there because i saw pictures of the ice skating kids or the ice skating dancers wherever they are um rehearsing for week two which is happening obviously this weekend so that might be the case but to be fair i've kind of lost patience with frank overall frank ocean even though i was a big fan for me I lost patience with him when I went to Primavera Festival. I think it was at 2017, 2018, around that time. And Frank Ocean was scheduled to perform there. It was one of his first live performances again for a long time. It was kind of his big European run that he was going to do. He had loads of other festivals booked up that he was meant to do along the way. And Primavera, I think, was the first one. Or maybe it was not, maybe it was, I don't know. Anyway, it was one of the first big European ones. And I partly bought a ticket to go to Primavera Sound to go see him. Now, don't get me wrong, Primavera sounds one of the best festivals in flipping Europe. And obviously, you know, going to Barcelona, you know, in the lovely summer with the heat and, you know, a nice chilled beers and the great food and the great people and whatnot, great vibes is amazing. And obviously, Primavera has some of the best acts and bands playing there. So you get your money's worth. So it's not just for him, but 70% of the reason why I did buy a ticket was to see Frank Ocean play. And then if I'm not mistaken in 2017 or 2018 when that happened when i bought the tickets um me and my friend were going i'm pretty sure frank either cancelled two days before we went or the week before it was something stupidly close and i remember thinking like what he just cancelled and it was like no explanation no reasoning no rationale nothing he just cancelled and that was it and then you know i think i forgot who they replaced him with maybe it was rocky or something i forgot somebody they replaced him with um but yeah since then i've kind of always been a little bit side eye on flipping frank ocean whenever he drops and is ready to put music out i listen to it but i don't get involved in all the flipping hoopla about expecting him to be certain places if he goes he goes but i would never in any way shape or form buy a ticket to a festival hoping that frank will turn up you know i would only buy it going for the other people who are there and if frank turns up it's a bonus but i never really trust him to kind of you know turn up in those kind of places before no way no way shape yeah luke uh what's that luis shy is saying he counted two yeah two days before then two days before i've been pretty embarrassed sound festival imagine that man i was so distraught i was so so pissed off but ever since then it's kind of left the south test of my life i've not really been on that vibe again going forward but hey 
it could be extenuated it could be extenuating circumstances around why he decided to turn up the way he did and we could all be kind of completely wrong but i still think he owes people explanations for things especially when he's up here setting up jewelry brands collaborating with prada and shit it just doesn't sit well and there are even people on the flipping subreddit who are going as far as saying that i think frank put out a vinyl or a single recently and people are alleging that maybe that release of whatever he put out was his way of getting like an interest-free loan where essentially you put out a vinyl um it's a six weeks or maybe more kind of wait time to kind of get them shipped so that you can basically pocket the money and use that for other things whilst you know whilst the vinyls are getting printed and stuff that's what people are alleging on that side of things so if that's the case and you're able to kind of you know put out work and release brands and whatnot you can at least explain to people what your current state of mind is and just say hey be be patient with me be easy on me be kind i'm in a vulnerable space right now i'm not in the mood to do this and that whatever and then chill or the other thing i was going to say to end was that i wonder why we don't hear more musicians who are also a little bit mysterious or just kind of you know take their time with their work why don't more musicians say hey i'm taking a temporary sabbatical like rihanna is a good example rihanna is clearly not in any sort of state of mind to release any music she's absolutely smashing it with fenty she's loving life being a mum. she's got another baby in the oven her and rocky are living the life you know enjoying each other's time and whatnot she's not in any kind of shape or any kind of mindset to be out there being a musical artist why not just come out and say hey guys i'm taking a sabbatical i'm taking some time off and i'll be back when i'm ready and then everyone will stop asking about the album same thing goes for frank he's independent he can do what he wants he finessed the label he's got money he's you know he's he's got the clout what why not just say hey i don't want to do this right now i'm going to come back later i wonder why that's not a thing why don't artists do that um they just kind of string fans along and then they get upset when fans keep asking questions or expect something but they never communicate it's bizarre it kind of reminds me of like influencers on instagram they love to flip in you know act like they're engaging with their fans but you look through their comments they don't even heart the comments they don't reply to questions zero they just want you to consume everything they do but they don't want to ever kind of give you any kind of explanation or communicate or kind of let you know what their mind's thinking and whatnot it's kind of annoying to be fair but hey Maybe I'm kind of overlooking all these sort of things. But regardless, the festival was horrible. Sorry, the performance was horrible. Really, 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 really terrible. And he would have to come back extremely hard next week um, to kind of make it up for it, to make up for it again. But the funny thing is, if you were to live stream it and just sing all these songs, it would go down the history as one of the greatest performances of all time because frank ocean fans are just that fanatical that's all he has to do the bare minimum just sing all these songs not flex on the stage and mime along or whatnot forget the dj um live stream the set on flipping youtube and everyone's back into his good graces once again so let's see what happens next week or this week coming up let's see what happens this week coming up anyway that is the end of the ran that is the end sorry, that's the end of the legacy of the show episode number triple triple six that's six 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 thanks again for tuning in it's been a pleasure to have your company as per usual if it's your first time tuning into a show please make sure you review it on all the podcasting platforms you listen to please make sure you like it if you do if you're watching it on live stream that'll be also gracious i would appreciate that and i'll see you guys again very very soon obviously if you listen to the audio side of it too you'll hear my tune today and my tune today is going to be the track that i featured at the start of this flipping show which is avelino from god save the album god save the streets and it will be track free twin flame 
So if you want to hear that playing right now as I'm flipping outro in this flipping show on the audio platform, make sure you subscribe over to flipping, um, you know, the podcasting platforms where I have all my things and check it out. But that's my flipping tune today, today, Twin Flame, track free from Avelino from the album God Save the Streets. This has been the Agostino Zinger Show, episode number 666 with I, your host, Agostino Zinger, and I'll see you guys again very, very soon. Everybody starts off innocent. Yeah, including me, so I relate to this brother like he's really family tree He never really knew what love was, so he had to hit the street Cause every time he was at home, his mom and dad just used to beef And it was getting to him, plus there weren't no food to eat His sis was getting so hungry that she found it hard to sleep He had dreams that his mother told him that he can't achieve He crept under all the pressure, started linking crap Fiends should have been to school, but he had work on him instead Post-Cold Wars, he didn't pick this address No pain, no gain, he was hurt, blood, it was stress Just trying to get himself out of ends Had to make ends meet first Cause mommy's got an empty purse He knew his dad would leave but never knew he'd leave in a hearse No generational wealth, just a generational curse From the mud, he really came from the dirt And started cleaning up One foot in the other out, cause he's seen enough But that boy's loyal to the soil, so his team was up You should have seen the love he was getting once he was getting it All the parties, they let his brethren bring all their weapons in It was still grandma's prayers that were protecting him, Cause he had a third at the end second guessing him And they reckon one of these days was his day of reckoning Got it from the kitchen, some man were thinking of chefing him He was paranoid cause in the cut they stabbed his boy He felt like the game chose him and he never had a choice Money or the violence, his older said choose wisely Couldn't trust a soul so he never could choose a wifey Then he met this good girl with some good traits from a good home Out of town with his hood mates and he took her home He said baby life been a bitch, give a dog a bone She weren't giving it up to him and it gave him hope But he weren't trying to get too close cause anything he ever loved just ended up in smoke but she was like his twin flame he felt connected to her soul it's like his trauma just disappeared whenever she would hold him so he held her down showed her off and took her out saw a future with her car presence made him smile plus she wouldn't judge him even though he's been through trials it's too good to be true he's in the now he went trying to fall in love yeah he went trying to fall in love yeah he ain't ever known love so he was guilt tripping all the time but she saw the innocence in his eyes he went trying to fall in love he went trying to fall in love No, he ain't ever known love So he was guilt tripping all the time But she saw the innocence in his eyes Yeah